0: Get it going, it's time to get up.
1: Calgary Flames will pour off the bench and celebrate with Jacob Markstrom. And he was excellent tonight, stopping 33
0: shots against his former team. These guys are here to break it all down.
2: Our guys are smart enough to know they've played a pretty good hockey game. They know if we, if we bring that game to the table, uh, you're gonna win more than you lose. We happen to lose, you know, you're not gonna win every game when you play well. That's just what the, way the league is, it's too good. There's no vaccine for
3: these guys. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? This
0: is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabulski and Perry Solkowski.
3: Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is Friday, February 12th. Yeah, I guess thank you, Jim, is a thing after all. See, it's a kinder, gentler side of Canucks Twitter. What's happening, everybody? This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. James Sabolski here. Perry Solkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass. We're hanging with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on Sportsnet 650. It's time to get those submissions in on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Canucks in a song. For those of you newcomers here joining us this morning, after each and every Canucks game, we ask you, music is so subjective. What musical track, what song, what tune best sums up the Canucks performance from the night prior? You weigh in with your thoughts. We'll weigh in with ours shortly. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll have some fun, and we'll kick it momentarily. Lots to get to, though, this morning, Pair after another disappointing, better effort, but same old, same old result as the bleeding continues now at six straight losses and counting.
4: Yeah, it's interesting. Songs are already coming in. This team has just such little margin for error. They played well. Problem is, that does nothing for you. you. Look at the standings, and I know we'll hear from everybody going, you yeah, know, I, I thought we played okay. Let's think about it from the other side. The Calgary fans will wake up this morning and go, we weren't very good. Thank you, goalie. Markstrom was great. We've got to be better tomorrow, and they will. And there are some guys who are on milk cartons right now. Where's your captain? You need to find Bo Horvath, terrible in the face circle last night. He's hitting depths he's never before. He's got to come up with a better effort there. James, look, they played well. They played good for 40 minutes. They took the bill up they're down by two. They looked dejected and fragile. But the other problem with this hockey team is, over the last three weeks, their best player, their best forward, undoubtedly, is a rookie that many thought wouldn't even be in this lineup. And that's an indictment on everybody else.
3: Well he he's noticeable every time, right? He's creating. I'll tell you what, it'd be nice at some point if he starts hitting the net, but you know, the that's nitpicking up for a kid who has just absolutely been dynamic um out there on a nightly basis. But man, the a rookie can't be your best player every night to no. have sustained success. It's not.
4: He's he's the best forward that Bo Horvat's had to play with. The most creative forward. My goodness, take, take an Erickson to what Nils Holgrenner is. And yet that hasn't generated into goals too any slumps. I don't know what JT Miller's deal is. Like he has been fascinated with the like talk about social distancing. His passes are social distancing of 60 feet. Why he has found this love for going cross ice on the power play and, and, and hanging on to the puck on the opposition blue line, I don't know. Like I, I know there, there's people texting and saying, maybe J.T. Miller was the outlier last year with that season. Uh, the effort's good. You, you can't argue. I like the effort. I like to compete, but the result doesn't help. It's like, you know, I didn't buy you a gift, but here I was thinking of getting you one. Didn't happen. Like, great the thought, great the effort, but you need two points. Uh, so they're going to start hanging and two-stepping with the Ottawa Senators because you're starting to see a little bit of a gap in the standings. Now.
3: Oh, it's it's not even gap it, it just feels i mean this is six straight losses now 17 games into the season and you know you're you're running out of you're running out of rope and and doing this against a team that you're probably in theory trying to to battle for a playoff spot with right now it's and it's not just you're not falling in overtime you're not falling in a shootout it's another you know gap where you lose by two right and for a team that was the better team for 45 minutes last night and you still wind up on the wrong end of the stick but my two goals, the only thing that comes close to resembling anything that I've ever seen like this before, pair. you go back, I guess, almost 10 years ago when Brian Burke, who we just talked to yesterday, right? is just gone to take over in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. When Brian was running the Leafs going back in about 2012, Leafs were off to a good start. They were playing well. He had brought in all these new free agents and they looked like they were a surefire. You know, the whole Thanksgiving, you know, the, the the magic number, you're in good shape, you're in a playoff position. They went into a stretch where they went 1-9-1. and one. You know, like one win in 11 games. And Brian Burke was quoted as saying, this is like going off an 18-wheeler. Do you remember that quote? Do you remember that quote? Yeah, yeah. Going off yeah, an 18-wheeler. And, and this kind of feels eerily similar to that right now because this team is working harder you look at the players on the personnel on this team man there's some star players and it's just where are some of these guys like Bo Horvat you know we haven't talked about this enough but man like a guy who absolutely had this market salivating for what he was doing 10 goals in the playoff bubble in Edmonton you know you look at the numbers statistically for Bo and and I think they're fine based on what Bo does on a points-per-game basis on a regular night. That's not the same Bo Horvat out there this
4: year. Would you not agree? Bo was 38% in the face-off circle yesterday. Awful! How many years How many years have we talked to, hey, you know, Bo Horvat, there's your guy. Put him in the draw. He has, in eight of the last nine games, he has been no better than 50%. And, and that's when you can look and go, hey, And we've had this argument. You know, is Bo a 30-goal guy? You expected this team, and let's forget about it. And it's in our face every game of the people they didn't re-sign and where they are and how they just come back and puncture this team, led by two guys last night or three. And we'll get into that five-minute video tribute, which I thought was outstanding. Like holy smokes, that tribute! <laughs> Why even do it? But you expected Bo to be better. All right, it's but you know, are we getting Bubble Bowl? Bubble Bo, who single-handedly said, "Jump on my back." We're beating the St. Louis Blues today, right? Who's that guy? Where's JT Miller? Who? Hey, JT, now you're actually an NHL All-Star, man. You're, I know. I, I, were you insulted with the Unsung Hero Award? You could have been because I think you could have been the MVP. But where are you, my friend? Petey needs to be better. Thought he was good last night. Quinn Hughes playing two-minute shifts is either an indictment that he's not getting off the ice or the fact that he doesn't believe anybody behind him can do anything else. But you needed everyone to get better. I think Brock Besser has gotten better. But, man, and if they're not that good, if you're not perfect and you don't win, it's like this team has gone back two and a half years, and if we're as a fan base watching this going, you know what? I'll take Travis Green telling us we're close because we may just be a player away from being being a playoff team. But to be sucked back into 2018 when it's 221, uh, that's what makes it tough.
3: A hundred percent. You know, it's one thing to to lose six straight with a roster that featured good Branson and Pouliot, and the list goes on and on. But it's another thing to lose six straight when you've got Pedersen, and Miller, and Horvat, and Hughes, and you know the list goes on and on. But you're right. There's there's no there's no bubble Horvat right now, or no bubble Bow. There's no bubble Demko right now, and not to say that Demko was bad. I mean he had some horrible puck luck last night as two goals go off Canucks defenseman into the back of the net but you know Goudreau scores on the breakaway but man it's the little mistakes right you go back to Horvat loses a critical draw late in the second period on that Flames power play Calgary works it around, and there's the shot that goes off Schmidt. Um, you know, and it's a two-one game, and there's the difference in the hockey game. And then in the third, there's Tyler Myers with a bad pass at the Calgary line. Sean Monahan makes it pay, beautiful feed up to Johnny Hockey, and Johnny Goudreau, who, man, think about like last year, everybody wanted that guy out of town. Pair there's a guy who's nicely bounced back. Like Calgary, like Calgary at times there are certain players that have uh, that just wreak havoc on the Canucks and there's almost a time at foot speed feels like it's an issue for the Canucks to maintain. Manchia like every time he plays against the Canucks, man, he just looks like a whirlwind out there. One goal, three takeaways last night. It's just he's quick. He's quick out there. Goudreau, same thing. Canucks have problems handling speed guys.
4: Yeah, and, and, you know, you you thought this team was trying to be built on speed. When you're in it, you're in it, and we are in it right now watching this hockey team. And we're basing so much off what happened in August in a strange environment. And we're basing everything with these trades where you, you make the moves and you weren't going to see Marky 10 times in the real world. And you weren't going to have to deal with Toffoli the nine times you do. If, if you can step away, and, and I don't know if it can be done, and if anyone in an ownership group is stepping away and going, okay, let's deal with the reality. We hope we were a playoff team. If we didn't have to step up and wait class, which they have, by moving to this canadian division the Gord Downey division because normally right now we'd be looking at minnesota you'd be looking at nashville you'd be hoping you're as good as arizona and those are likely the teams because i'd say you're better than san jose anaheim and los angeles those are the teams you'd be battling with to get into a postseason position and winnipeg and calgary and edmonton would all be okay and we wouldn't have to worry about montreal toronto So I don't think we can lose that fact that we've been judging this team for the last five years of the rebuild as to where they are. Are they a playoff team? They step up in a weight class, and, James, they just don't belong there. There's no breaks for them, right? There's not San Jose coming in and Anaheim after that to regroup with practices. So, uh, you know, do you lose sight of that? I I think you have to because this is what you're dealing with. And in the end, um, that's why I think you get closer to when this series is over. If the results are 0-4, especially if they're 0-4, something is done just because you have to show you're reacting to it.
3: Uh, this is the starting lineup here on sports 650. I'm James Sobalski. He's Perry Sulkowski. Lots to get to here over the next three hours. Ron McLean from hockey night in Canada will join us uh, coming up at seven o'clock. It is hockey day in Canada tomorrow. I uh, kind of the way the schedule has gone. Every day is hockey day in Canada. Every right day is hockey day in Canada. Yeah. But, uh, but we'll talk to Ron coming up, uh, just after seven o'clock. Uh, Claude Vilgrain. the, it, it is black history month and the uh, first ever black player for the national, uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Claude Vilgrain will join us, uh, coming up at uh, 8.30 this morning. Your Canucks commute uh, just after 8 o'clock will feature one of Vancouver's favorite couples, John Shorthouse, John Garrett, Cheech and Shorty, Dropping by, weighing in with their thoughts, and uh, you know, shout out to the TV guys last night. I thought Cheat, Shorty, and and Dan Murphy, Ian McIntyre, Dan Riccio, also here, part of the team. Uh, just a great tribute to the guys over at 10:40. What happened earlier this week, and I thought it was really well said. And I think a lot of people recognizing uh, what went down. Prepare, you know, a lot of these problems. Man, it just continues to magnify as people are screaming. Uh, you know, looking at management and the mess that this team's in right now. Look, I, I a lot of guys are underperforming right now. You know, a lot of this is on the players and the and the lack of execution and the lack of delivery. But the roster is ultimately constructed by Jim Benning. Thank you, Jim. Trending last night. Thank you for the kinder, gentler Canucks Twitter out there, everybody. But mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. Like Jacob, there's Jacob Markstrom who. The team ultimately felt like they wanted to cut bait on. And I think there's still a lot of people that can rationalize that decision to not want to commit to six years for Jacob Markstrom. But for the now, this team's getting kicked in the teeth every time they face Jacob Markstrom or a former Canuck. Ask Tyler Toffoli, ask Chris Tanev, and ask Jacob Markstrom. I just don't know how much longer this team can continue to stay the course right now when you've lost six straight and you've got the market that is kind of screaming right now for something to happen because it's obviously not happening within the locker room right now with this team they just look like a defeated bunch out there when the going gets tough
4: and so you need a fall guy right? That's you, it. you, you, you That's need a it. fall guy and and the have to see the players you traded away in your face and playing as well as they have I mean it, it's the worst nightmare possible you could look at it and, and we've said it before James when this team is really successful we didn't think Jim Benning would be at the helm it just doesn't work that way where was Steve Eiserman? I hope he was having a cigar when Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup in, in September. Because listen, that's a Steve Eiserman constructed hockey team. Mm-hmm. Jim Benning will get credit for this team as they go on a roll if it's a year, two, or three years. Because a lot of these guys are here. You can actually say that you know Niels Holglander and we were on the Toffoli train. You got to keep him. But as well as Holglander's played, and he's been their best player in the last three weeks during the slump. Kid over the boards is great you know, eventually, you're going to, hey, he's a top six guy. He's going to stay there. Toffoli could have been a guy if Colson comes in and plays. You know, Toffoli might have been a guy in two or three years. you going, wow, we're paying him $4 million to be on the third, fourth lines. Hey, haven't we been through this mess before? It may work out. But for the here and for the now, I completely agree with you. You are coming to the point as an organization that just something needs to be done. Does it change anything on the ice? I don't know as far as results. But yeah, I, I think you're getting closer and closer. To what's going on. Uh, a lot of people texting in, and we welcome it on the dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650, as we talk about Bo Horvat, they're going, hey, Mahalter, Mahalter. Yeah, you're right. We talked about it in Toronto. I'm shocked, though, a guy like Manny Mahalter, who's so good in the face-off circle, a departure of a coach like that can be that much of a precipice for a guy taking a dive in the stats and, and just losing your confidence in a face-off circle. But yeah, let's not minimize it. Manny Mahalter taking a better job One that he can get behind the bench, more power to him, and that's hurting too.
3: It it, it is. I mean, it's just everything that could have gone wrong with this team has. And and the unfortunate thing is, and and here's the problem, like organizationally, they've got to look in the mirror and see all that currency and goodwill that they had built up from last summer pair, it's completely evaporated. And it's kind of gone from frustration, it's gone to anger, and now the danger here for this market and this this fan base is is apathy. And, man, you started hearing that the other night, last night on the post-game show with Satyar Shah and Andrew Walker. You know, there were callers calling in going, man, I don't care, right? That's the danger, right? You can have a fan base that's pissed off. You can have a fan base that's in love. You can have a fan base that's frustrated. But that means you care. Apathy. That is death for a franchise. And the Canucks, obviously, looking right now, I'm a Travis Green fan pair. I think Travis Green's a really good coach, but I also think that it's probably the easiest move, especially in the middle of a pandemic right now, if you're going to make a move. You know, Jim Benning, you can make that, you can you can pull the trigger on from a Jim Benning standpoint, and I think it's coming, but it's just a question of how do you make that move where, here's the, here's the tricky part. How do you interview people right now to take over as the general manager of your franchise in the midst of a pandemic where there's a lot of those candidates right now that are south of the border, right? You got, if you're, you're coming over here to, to, to interview, like that's a two week quarantine. If you're coming over to this side of the border, right? It's one thing to go south. It's quite a different story. If you're coming on this side of the border to interview, Right. I mean, are are you feeling comfortable enough to have a Zoom conference to hire somebody to run your franchise here in the National Hockey League at a critical juncture where you've got two massive contracts to deal with this summer, and it's like, okay, we're just going to have a Zoom chat, and we're going to catch up. We'll figure out if we can make this work, <laughs> right? you got to sit there and quarantine for two weeks if you're coming here.
4: That's why I don't think we see anything. Like, honestly – and, and that's going to make the next three months of this team struggle so tough because everyone and they're texting in, you want to see someone's head's got to roll. It's callous. It's wrong. But Jim Benning's been here for seven years. He's the guy. If, if, if that's what the Aquilini's feel, that, you know what, maybe, Jim, we've got some big contract. It hasn't worked out. So maybe conversations are going on quietly behind the scenes. Of when this is done, we're going to bring you in. Well, if that's the case, what's Travis Green doing? You know, we made this comment when the season started. I don't think Travis Green is going to be long for a head coaching job if he's not with the Vancouver Canucks. And he's made it very clear, and I think the organization has two, you know, tough economics, but, you know, we'd like Travis to be here. Well, every day they lose, Jim's job gets more and more, um, you know, precarious. Travis has gone, is anybody talking to me? Uh, is anybody like, what are we doing here? And then he may see some other options. Man, the decisions made by the Aquilini's now and who their guidance will be coming from is is so important as to where this team is going. Is it the GM? You change the GM, nothing's changing on the ice. Or do you make that move where you go, well, we can't fire the players, so we're going to get rid of the coach. And I don't think that's the right stroke either. We are just in the middle of it, and the panic button or whatever they do is really going to change the course of this hockey team.
3: You know, somebody making a great point on the Dunbar Lumber text line at six fifty, six fifty. You know, you interview somebody, a prospective client or a prospective candidate. You know, what happens if you run into that situation like we saw with those judges on that Zoom chat the other day, right? Zoom, I'm not a cat, right? Yeah. What happened? Mike Fuda jumps in on a Zoom call, and all of a sudden, it's like he's got the cat. He's got the cat app going, the filter going. You know, the one that my kids always seem to click on every time they try to catch up with Grandma and Grandpa, right? Well, hey, you know assistant general manager or somebody being interviewed. Oh, uh, you got, you, you, that's a dog filter you got going right now. So things to watch out for. Uh, hey, we play Canucks in a song after each and every Canucks game. How, it kind of tells us where your mood's at, where this team's at, depending on how the game played out. Pear, do you want to kick off the party for us this morning with what your submission is this morning?
4: Well, there's a challenge, uh, and everybody does so well going, okay, we we have the usual songs. And I found a song just going, here are the words that, is there any song like this? And it came from a Swedish artist, August. All you have to do is listen to the beginning of the song because that kind of sums up what I was thinking last night as this game went to bed.
5: We're not going to make it through the night. The darkness hit so hard, we lost the fight. There ain't no place to be. It's only you and me. We're not gonna make it through Yeah, tonight. we're not
4: gonna make it through the night. I don't think we're gonna make it through the year. It just seems like trouble is brewing and someone's gonna be paying the price uh, sooner or later here with this team.
3: Yeah, that's a doomy, gloomy. That's, a, that's kind of like <laughs> oh, pull, up, pull up the you. I'm We're looking
4: like, up this lady. Yeah. This lady from Australia. Her last name is August from Sweden. I'm just going, okay, like what? Like, are you just, uh, are you the doom and gloom? Like, I don't think you're. You don't go to a party, and, and it is Friday. And I apologize. We want the. You're not going to a party and listen to this lady. Like, yeah, I
5: feel. I, like, I don't I'm, know I'm, how I'm, it ended yeah.
4: for that lady, but it wasn't you, with a standing ovation or anyone. I love that song.
3: Yeah, Let's I'm assuming it. you never heard. Of
4: that would be fantastic if that was your wedding song. See, I would appreciate a couple that got married today. Had
3: you ever first heard dance. that
4: had you ever heard that song before? Oh, no, 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 no. Right. I, I said, is there a song that has this? And I just, okay, that's dark. Okay. And then I that, God, wouldn't that be a great wedding song? I just kill myself. No. Hey, it's time uh, for the first dance. We're not gonna make like it.
3: I'm going to the bathroom for that song. Uh okay, here's my here's my submission. So, you know, y- you look at this team, they've lost six straight. There are calls for Jim Benning's head. At some point, the bleeding has to stop. Something has to change. Status quo cannot continue over the past week. We also lost uh, a Hollywood legend, and that was Christopher Plummer, who passed away in the last week at the age of 91. So I go back to this timeless classic, my mother's favorite movie. It's the Von Trapp children with So Long, Farewell.
5: So long, farewell, I'll be just saying adieu. Adieu. Adieu to you and you and
3: you. That's it. It's plain and simple. A head's going to roll. Someone's going to go. And thank you, Jim, was trending large and in charge last night. And, yes, people, I get sarcasm. I get sarcasm. Uh, All right, let's uh, pair. we got a bunch coming in here this morning. Uh, Let's go. uh, Hey, Josh, with a little Muse classic here. Our time is running out. Time is running out on this team to do something here, Pair. It's as simple as that. You know, you can't go through, what, 17 games into the season and have a run where you've lost five to six and then follow that up with losing six straight.
4: And, and play well. Like That's the problem. They played pretty well last night. And they're playing well, doesn't get them two points. You can't play perfect in pro sports. Yeah, Once in a while, every two or three weeks, you might have a game where you look down that bench And go, everybody was really good. They're looking down the Calgary bench last night, going, can you guys pick it up? We're terrible in the first period. Give your goalie an extra pat because we weren't good. And even in the second period, guys, get to the pucks. And then in the third, Calgary finds it. So you don't think you're going to see a better Calgary Flames team? Uh, That's the problem with the Canucks right now. When they play well, it's still not good enough because of the competition they're facing.
3: How about this one hit wonder from about uh, seven, eight years ago? It's gotcha with somebody I used to know. Yeah, that one coming from Gavin this morning. And, uh, yeah, who are these guys, man? Right? This isn't the bubble team that everybody was looking at being one game away from the Final Four pair, but this is a different hockey team. Case in point, the goaltender at the other end last night leading the team to victory.
4: Yeah, and that's not to say Thatcher Demko was terrible last night. I thought he was pretty good. I mean, you got two, and we'll hear from Nate Schmidt later on, you just got two bad luck goals. Schmidt talks about, you know, Last game, he goes, I kicked the puck right onto a guy's stick. And he goes, yesterday, a puck's deflected and then hits me on a second deflection and goes in. He goes, I'll be honest with you, I don't think that's ever happened to me in my life. And it's happening right now. But I, I, I do think, and and by the text line jumping here, I, I do think the fans have come to the point where we're going, oh, you know, it's it's just bad luck. We'll get out of this. Hey, every series is a playoff series. Right now, if you see this matchup against Calgary, do you think they're winning this playoff series? Do you think they're reeling off three in a row? I don't. I'd like to, but I don't because they were pretty good yesterday and they didn't get the win. And I think you're going to see you're going to see Calgary a lot better. There's there's some good submissions coming here with songs. Well,
3: and out. just and just how things are kind of playing out for this team right now, I I don't see Jacob Marks from necessarily getting a day off over the course just with every game spread out. Uh, no. Here's um you know here's uh Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass wants to get in with uh, his submission here as well. What do you got there, Balak?
5: Yeah,
1: well, I, I saw a bunch of tweets yesterday about people talking about the Canucks are digging themselves in a bit of a hole with mm-hmm. this run that they're on. So mm-hmm. first song that came to mind was an artist named Brent Cobb, a song called Diggin' Holes.
5: Digging yeah. Holes
3: Gotta make my living in a graveyard.
1: Lord knows, I'm good uh, at digging holes.
5: Yeah, it sure feels that way. At least for Jim
3: Bennington. Yeah, very good call. Uh, all right, twenty-five minutes after six o'clock here on this Friday morning. James Sobalski, Perry Sokowski, kicking it with you until nine o'clock. Uh, coming up in a moment, why it's time to turn the page on anthems at sporting events. Much more on the reaction here uh, from your reaction, as well as the Canucks fall for the sixth straight game, taking a three nothing, three one loss to the Calgary Flames. And as and as we go to break here, we'll give one that a lot of people have been submitting here this morning. So to all of you. This is an Aerosmith classic. It's the same old song and dance here on your home of the Canucks. It's Sportsnet 650.
5: It's the same old story, same old song and dance, It's my friend. It's the same.
0: The starting lineup with Jim Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a
4: song.
5: 6:32 on the official
4: home of the Vancouver Canucks. Perry Solkowski, James Sabolski. Yeah, I keep the Canucks in a song coming in. Some people just say, "Man, I just I don't want to burn them anymore. I can't even do it." I Highway to Hell. It seems like it, doesn't it? And you go, hey, the ride was pretty good yesterday. How's the car? Oh, we drove pretty well. And at the end of the day, James, still nothing to show for it. Uh, We heard, and here's the thing. Your best player in the last three weeks has been a rookie. That says too much. Bo Horvat, gone missing. JT Miller, unsure. Still making passes 60 feet across the ice on power plays through sticks. And you go, why are we making that decision? PD said this afterwards, frustrated? Yeah. How did they figure it out? Well, I'm not sure he has the answer.
6: I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean,
2: it's not going our way right now. Uh, I think we're... Today, we, I think we played good enough to win the game. I think we had our looks. We created chances. We spent most of the time in their zone. Um, two unlu- unlucky bounces. Then uh, I don't know. It's, it's frustrating. I mean, we... Everyone in our group, everyone in, our, in the locker room, you just, want,
6: you just want to win a game and get back at it because we know what we're capable of. But but yeah, like I said, it's not going our way.
4: James, I said it earlier, I'll say it again. This team stepped up and weight class in the Canadian division. No Anaheim's, no San Jose's. And they would be, it, the Canucks would be who we thought they were, fighting to be a playoff team if things were normal. But when you see Calgary four in a row, when, when you get Montreal, when you get Toronto, that's a, That's a weight class that they weren't ready to step up to unless they were perfect and are perfect, and that's tough to ask a hockey team, and, and they're just not coming up with it.
7: I don't they know are I, who we thought they
3: were. I, I don't know if I, fu- I don't know if I fully subscribe to that idea, and I and I understand that a few people have mentioned that, right? As opposed to getting, you know, that kinder, softer, uh, softer Pacific, uh, where you've got some of these teams that are in rebuilds right now. I, I get where you're coming from, pair. But you know, look at the results outside of this week against the Leafs and the Flames where the Canucks competed, like they played well, right? They didn't have any luck last night, right? Two goals are redirected off defensemen mm-hmm. on their own team, and they're in the back of the net. But is this team really working that hard? Is this team really like, have they have how many times this season of the seventeen games have you said, man, those guys were flying out there tonight? There's the Winnipeg win, right? i give you that one. Mm-hmm. I thought opening night, they looked pretty good against the Oilers. But, you know, and do you chalk up all three of those wins against the Ottawa Senators? I mean, they still gave up, what, 35-plus shots a night against the Senators, right? There's not a lot of games that this team, you can say, effort And Man, like, this team just doesn't work hard enough at times. Okay, so let's look at it from but,
4: the other side of the coin. Okay. Calgary Flames work hard yesterday?
3: Uh, in the third period, they did. They stole one last night. Markstrom
4: was their goaltender.
3: The the Canucks were the better team overall,
4: but but Markstrom was the difference. Good teams um, can win hockey games when they don't deserve it. And the Canucks can win hockey games against poor competition when they don't play well. Hey, they played well yesterday. I'm not saying they didn't, but they didn't win. I just don't think right now with the confidence that they are good enough to win hockey games against bad teams. They showed it against Ottawa. They weren't great in Ottawa. God, they gave up 23 shots in a first period, still won the game. But that's the only team that you can be poor against mm-hmm. and win, I think, right now in this division. Now, hey, I'll tell you what, and here's a news flash to people if you're only paying attention to the Canucks. Right now, Montreal, they're, they're kind of going, what's going on with the Habs here? Like, who are we? Have we fallen back into the team we were last year? Or are we the team that came flying out of the gates as they lost to the Edmonton Oilers? They're starting to wonder. So maybe there will be a couple of teams that are going to be Jekyll and Hyde. But right now, the Canucks can't figure it out. I do think the fact that it's, you know, there's just no bad nights. I I think they are a top eight team when you're looking at a Western conference. But boy, you look right now, they're getting a little closer to being all cuddly on this Valentine's Day weekend with the Ottawa Senators than being able to hold hands with the teams that will be fighting for fourth spot in this Canadian division.
3: We'll get to Seaball says here momentarily, but uh, the collector dude on the Dunbar Lumber text line at six fifty six fifty saying, "By the way, collector dude, I just bought the most insanely cool piece of art. I I don't want to jinx it. I won't say it until it gets here next week, but I'll I'll share it with our listeners here. But it is next level awesome. I'm some art or a card. It's not a card. It might be a comic." But it's art and it's history, and I'm so over the moon about this. I'll, 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 I'll fill you. I'll, I'll wait till it arrives, and I'll, I'll post a picture of it. Uh, but the collector dude's saying here. Benning has let Judd Brackett leave the organization. He is lauded for his drafting ability. The homework was done by Brackett. All Benning does is climb up to the pulpit and mispronounce the selection. He has mismanaged the cap so badly with terrible free agent selections that the team is handcuffed. We all recognized a year ago that Jake had to go when he had some value. He's still here. Time is up. Benning has to go. Is there a sense? How how ironic would this be, Pear, if... This summer, the Canucks were to fall into a lottery position and win the first overall selection, finally, for the first time in franchise history. In a a weak draft (laughs) year. (laughs) Right? In a draft year that nobody knows what you're getting. (laughs) You're going to draft the Dex, Doug Wickenheiser or Alexander (laughs) Degg.
4: Yes. This kid was great in 2018. He hasn't played since. Don't pay attention yeah. to the 50 pounds he's put on. Yeah. but
0: Boy, look at the tape. I think that, yeah, that kid retired.
4: Know. That kid retired right. at phantom. <laughs> hey, right. good on everybody on their text line that we're almost kind of smiling at, at what has been happening with this hockey team because it's it's incredible. Um, listen, I, I think this, this is not an indictment that this team is going backwards. Like, I don't know. Maybe I got a wrong feel. I do think the Vancouver Canucks are going to be knocking on a window as years come by and they will... They will be going, hey, we're taking a crack at this Stanley Cup. Uh, well, I, I guess I shouldn't say that. It, you could mismanage the hell out of the next year or two, and then it's all gone. I don't think they're there. I think that they're, they're like the ladies that, you know, those halftime games at football games that Lions game, where you blindfold someone, and if they can find the person on the other end, they're going to win the check. Like, I think the Canucks were collectively, we were the crowd going, oh, she's going right for it. She's going to win the check. There he is. And then all of a sudden, they just take a hard left, and you're screwed and time runs up. It the Canucks have taken a hard left here right now. I don't know if they can write the course, but I do think this team is going to be there for success, whether the same guys behind the bench, whether the same guys the GM, at that I'm doubting right now. But I don't think the young talent you have here is is not going to get better. They'll get through it. They'll look at this experience. But it's just I, I think most people thought it would happen right now, and we're finding it could be the one step back to, to go two steps forward.
0: Let's do this, Balak. He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. I
5: need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
0: Seaball says on Sportsnet 650.
3: Well, for what feels like the umpteenth time over the last few years, the anthem became a talking point again this week. Mark Cuban raised the discussion about the national anthem when he said the Dallas Mavericks wouldn't be playing the Star-Spangled Banner before games. NBA quickly squashed the outspoken Mavs owner's idea when they announced that all teams would play the 200-year-old song nightly. Cuban's decision was one to have conversations. Conversations that are somewhat uncomfortable at times, but important ones based on what's happening over the last few years in society. Now, in America, the Star-Spangled Banner was written back in 1814 inspired by the war of 1812 you know when canada battled our neighbors south of the border to a draw the anthem is a war song and according to historians it was first played at a sporting event during the civil war in 1862 the anthem was played spontaneously during a game in the 1918 world series with the backdrop of the first world war And then it became a popular thing to do again during World War II. They also played it at movie theaters at the time. Then amidst the unrest during the Vietnam War, the anthem playing ramped up again at sporting events with the NFL leading the charge in America. Do you kind of get the political theme here? It's a war song played during conflict. Fast forward to present days. Former Vancouver Grizzlies player Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf dealt with massive backlash when he protested the Anthem in the 90s. Colin Kaepernick hasn't played a game in the NFL since taking a knee during the Anthem. It became such a divisive political issue with Cap that former President Donald Trump suggested that players should actually be
4: fired. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners, when somebody disrespects our flag, To say, get that son of a bitch off the field right
3: now, out. He's fired. He's fired! That's a former president of the United States using that sort of language. Cuban is making a point. It's not anti-American. He doesn't hate his country. It's about recognizing what's happening today in society. The anthem south of the border has become incredibly politicized. But in a bigger picture... Do we really need to play the anthem before sporting events here? Now, As I mentioned, we used to play the anthem before movies. We don't do that anymore. TV stations used to start their broadcast day with O Canada in the morning. When I used to watch Saturday morning cartoons, boom, there it was. Do we still do that? Nope. Not playing the anthem before a sporting event, a pro sporting event for that matter, isn't disrespectful. It's just not necessary. Admit it, how many times do you awkwardly get caught scrambling to your seat or walking in a concourse before the Anthem starts? Do you stop what you're doing? Probably not. Most people I see don't. Look, don't get me wrong, when I'm in the crowd, I enjoy the energy at the end of the Anthem before a big game, but it's a case of need and want. Do I want it? Eh, sure. Do I need it? No. I'm okay to play it before a major international sporting event or even afterwards for that matter, but times have changed. You can still be proud of your country without playing the anthem prior to a sporting event. And that's the Sporting's Seaball says. Are you standing, Perry?
4: No, but you know what? You made me laugh when you said that they used to play the anthem. To start the uh, the television day before yes! you watch cartoons, <laughs> See, and my mind automatically was, you know what, James? If it's Friday night and you you've just watched a French blue movie and saw some skin, they would then play the anthem after to end the it's broadcast. And said, <laughs> God bless this country of ours, Canada. I hope you enjoyed that movie, you kids who shouldn't be watching it. Here's the national anthem. I'll I'll say this. Having traveled as much as I had with the Vancouver Canucks and then the, especially the Vancouver Whitecaps, you'd go into Columbus, they would play the National Anthem, and I would sing it, but I'm thinking, are you just playing this for me and essentially Russell Tybert? Because most of the guys on this team aren't Canadian. Staff would be, and I just didn't know if there was a place there. Uh, I am, and maybe it's been too long. Give me a, a, Give me a game, give me the Super Bowl, give me the Anthems. Uh, give me international competition when they are representing my country. I'm with you, though, and I don't know if we'll see that spot. We saw the issues this with Dallas, the Stars, and the Mavericks. I don't think anyone would be disappointed to go to a game, get your popcorn, get your beer, sit down, and you're ready to go. We'll see if it comes to that point.
3: We're playing Stat Me Up next. Don't forget Ron McClain joining us at 7 o'clock and uh, tool uh, messaging me this morning that there are already reports uh, out that uh, the NHL is actually looking at tweaking the lottery in some manner just to screw the Canucks again right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
0: Grab your calculators because it's time to stat me up on the starting lineup. Here's James Cebulski, Perry Solkowski, and the million-dollar man, Scott
3: Brown. 6.49 here on this Friday morning. Canucks fall 3-1 last night. We'll talk to Ron McLean from Hockey Nation Canada just after 7 o'clock. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, and the million-dollar man from Fifth Avenue Real Estate and Marketing, Mr. Scott Brown. Can you buy a win at all for the Vancouver Canucks for us, Scotty? <laughs> That's
7: going to cost more than a million bucks. Million five. A million-five? Wonderful.
4: Might, yeah, it, it all started off. It might cost six million, guys. My stat is ninety-two, as in ninety-two saves on the ninety-five shots that Jacob Markstrom has faced from the Vancouver Canucks so far this season.
3: Wow, he owns yeah. the man. There's like that. You see, you see the hesitation on some of these players last night. You know, Corey Hirsch talked about it after the game. Even, even Travis Green suggested that there were times they could have shot and they opted not to. You wonder just how much Jacob Markstrom is in their heads mentally where they've seen him when he's dialed in.
4: Scotty, what do you got for number?
7: Well, trying not to overthink my number because I wonder if that's what the Canucks are doing with Markstrom a little bit just instead of firing away because you think they'd know this guy's tendencies and have a bit of a, a more even shot at getting a goal. But anyway, my number's 203,000. I had to check it several times to make sure it was right. And I'm still shocked by it, but I'll go with it. So Brian Burke caught me off guard this week, among other things, um, sudden defection from the media. I thought he was finding a home there uh, and he was actually done. But next thing you know, he's he's in the Penguins and you had a good chat with him yesterday. Um, so I thought I'd better check out the real estate market in his future home, Pittsburgh. So for starters in Toronto, the average home where he lives is definitely over a million dollars. But that's only for the first time uh, in a long time and that's in 2021 so far. But so there's an aside. Vancouver does beat Toronto with respect to real estate pricing. We're more expensive. Yay. <laughs> so I looked at it, to my surprise, the average price of a home in Pittsburgh was two hundred and three thousand dollars, about five times less. That's crazy. And that's three? Two hundred and three. And that's with a twenty percent price increase recently. <laughs> so then I looked, well, well come on, this must be terrible neighborhoods. What's the high end stuff like? So, I looked up three mansions, and they're like 6.9 million, 3.38, 2.9. Those are average houses. So, he's going to go there and be able to buy whatever he pad he wants. Except for, now, that makes you wonder why Super Mario is selling his pad in Quebec. Because while I was digging around, I found out that Mario Lemieux has a $22 million uh, Quebec mansion. And yeah. I don't imagine it's quite as pretty as that. So, he had it on the market for a while. It's a castle or a mansion. 17,000 square feet, 50 rooms, 17 fireplaces, 5.5 acres of land, and worth 10 times, actually a hundred times more than what an average house is in Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh
3: my god. Mario apparently has like the, just an insanely massive wine collection, uh, wine cellar as well that's just like next level. Um, that's crazy. We're all we're all gonna quarantine uh, or actually no, we don't even need to quarantine to go south of the border, I believe. We can just go to we're moving to Pittsburgh. That just like that. I'm sure a lot of people listening right now would say, Sabalski, please hit the road. Uh, my number this morning is eight twenty-five. He intercepts a pass at his own line and flips it to center for Goudreau, who's behind the knee. Johnny Goudreau alone scores. By the way, shout out to Joey Kenward who stepped in yeah, for Joey, uh doing some work last for night. But uh, how about this? Canuck's goaltenders right now. Have a save percentage of 8.25 during this six-game losing streak. 8.25 save percentage for your Canucks goaltending duo of Braden Holtby and Thatcher Demko. That is, as Charles Barkley would say, terrible. It's terrible.
4: Yeah, funny thing is, though, you you can't put it on on the goalies. I mean, they they need it to be better, right? Can't put it on them. Scotty, what about a local real estate number? Well, uh, you know, I talked
7: about over the last couple of years, we talked about if you do 2,500 sales in a quarter, it's an okay quarter. If you do 3,000, it's really impressive in terms of new condo, new townhome sales. If you do 4,000, it's hot. So we did some adjustments and just looked at where did 2020 finish again. And the end of 2020 squeaked in. We adjusted our numbers. Uh, It's going out in a research report off our website today called The Fifth Dimension almost 11,000 new sales last year. So that was a 40% growth in a year with COVID over two nineteen. when we look back on it. And what we're seeing so far in the start of this year, both with respect to townhomes and that we will probably see our second quarter in a row of more than 3,000 sales. So in the last 90 days or so about 3,000 homes have sold. We'll probably see that again. So this You know, it's just surprising. Everything seems to be absorbing right now. Even the interior markets of Vancouver and some of those Mario Lemieux type stuff is actually starting to move again as well. So the beat seems to keep rolling on. If anybody wants to check out that free report, they can just go to FIFTHAB.ca, download it. Information there you can't get on MLS, and hopefully it's helpful to you.
3: Did you just throw out uh, the entire alphabet there on that website? Pretty much. <laughs> I'm still Thanks, trying to Scotty. recover
7: from that eight point point eight two five status. Like, old oh, man, that sounds good. We got to get these guys some confidence, is what it is. Because when they scored that yeah. second goal, I was like, you could just see the deflation, right?
3: It was uh, you yeah. said ball game right there. Uh, take care, Scotty. Have a great weekend. And, uh, have a great uh, Valentine's and uh, family day weekend as well. Yeah, you too. Long hey. weekend. Take care, yeah, take care. Later, Scott. Uh, there's Scott Brown from Fifth Avenue Real Estate and Marketing uh, joining us with Stat Me Up" this morning here every Friday on Sportsnet 650. And uh, by the way, just a quick reminder: uh, it, it, we'll be back at it here on Monday. No holiday for us on Monday, as it is a game day here in the city as the Canucks and Flames uh, round number three on Monday. So we will be here bright and early on this holiday to kick it with you if you so desire. In a moment, Ron McLean will join us on the other side of this seven o'clock update. Uh, lots more to come as the Canucks. Fall, making it six and counting. He's Perry Sokowski. I'm James Cebulski. You got it locked in here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Let's
0: get it going. It's time to get up.
1: Calgary Flames will pour off the bench and celebrate with Jacob Markstrom. And he was excellent tonight, stopping 33 shots against his former team. These
0: guys are here to break it all
2: down. Our guys are smart enough to know they played a pretty good hockey game. Eh? They know if we if we bring that game to the table, uh, you're going to win more than you lose. We're dropping to lose. You know you're not going to win every game when you play well. That's what the, the league is. It's too good. There's no vaccine
0: for these guys. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? This is the starting lineup. Here's James Sabolsky and Perry Solkowski.
3: Two minutes after seven o'clock. You listened. You listen, Canucks Twitter. Everybody was nicer last night. Thank you, Jim. Trending last night across the country
4: sarcasm is always funny right (laughs) (laughs) no
5: no
3: uh, James Cebalski, Barry Solkowski, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning. Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada will join us uh, here in just a couple of minutes. It is Hockey Day in Canada coming up tomorrow uh, across the country with uh, three all-Canadian matchups. But uh, the Canucks fall for the sixth straight time last night, pair as uh, a strong effort. And, and you know what? You can almost feel this one coming again, right? Just the way that they were playing, all the shots just dominating, but... You know, I'll tell you this much. Jacob Markstrom was the the de facto difference maker in the game last night. And it was evident early where the Canucks kind of came at him in waves, especially with that early power play. They had a lot of good chances. And I thought Jacob Markstrom stepped up with three or four really good stops to kind of set the tone that he was dialed in for this one. And he just carried it all the way through. Look at the only goal that the Canucks scored. It was one that... You know, Brock Besser goes hard to the net and jumps on that rebound after taking that incredible bank pass from Elias Pettersson. But that's the only one that he really kind of created traffic in front of Marky, and that was a one-man effort.
4: Tweeted last night, Markstrom's going to keep this team in the hockey game until they figure it out. And said, oh, sorry, just deleting tweets from 2018 all the way to 2020. We saw it before for so long. Like, how often did the Canucks start slow, give up some bad chances, give up a lot of shots. And Markstrom was solid in the first period. And then they figured it out. It took two periods for the Calgary Flames to figure it out. And I just, you know, Travis Green, we played that clip. You know, I think the guys in that room realized that, you know, nine out of ten times you play that well, you're going to win hockey games. I'm not sure if that's the case. Like, honestly, they played well. But still, Bo horvat has been missing for me. He's been terrible. He was at 30% in the face-off circle last night. He's got the C on him. I mean, you expected a lot from Bo after, and I think he did too after what we saw in the bubble, to go, listen, I can grab this team by the scruff of the neck and lead the way. And to me, again, and as it has been for three weeks, the one player that I notice every darn shift is Nils Holglander, which should put this team over the top that a rookie is is doing it, but it's also an indictment that everyone else has to be that much better. They were good last night. But it seems like this team almost has to be perfect to win now. And that's a tough ask considering the competition anywhere in pro sports.
3: You know, Per, and and you've defended Bo, you know, for a great deal of time. And to finally, you know, kind of to see this, like he just hasn't had that spark this season. And and statistically, if you look at Bo, it's the numbers kind of, you know, are comparable to what he's typically done. But that that that. That game, that that bull rush sort of approach, that bow that this market loves, it's just not there, that spark. And I, you you know, I I, I totally agree in the sense that here's a guy that is the captain of this team. You've lost five straight. And it just seemed like such an uninspired effort from the captain, man. I just want to see more. I, I don't know if he's dealing with an injury, but there's a, you know, I can't quite understand for a guy who's just not. Why are you not leading? right at a time that this team needs leadership and it's a big ass for a young captain, but I'm with you, man. I think a lot of people starting to kind of go, where's Bo? And you know, uh, JT Miller's taken the brunt of the criticism this season, but I think Horvat needs to wear some of this as well. You know, lost a critical draw as you alluded to on that power play that the Flames then suddenly maintain possession, and it winds up going off a shot from the point, goes off Nate Schmidt and into the back of the net. And that's your game winner, right? And it all stems as a result of that lost faceoff, man. It yeah, feels like and, so and, many times and, the Canucks get burned that way.
4: James, that's always glaring, but here's the thing. When Bo's struggling, he is, he can't score. You saw his frustration. Hit somebody. Bo didn't have a hit last night. He didn't have a hit, man. One like, shot. Hit somebody, right? You got, you got to do something. Hit somebody. So not all on bowl. Hey, they played well. But everybody has to be better if they're to win in the Canadian division because there's no easy nights.
3: No, there certainly isn't. It makes for fun viewing, though, on a regular basis with all these all-Canadian matchups. And uh, tomorrow, Hockey Day in Canada. And the man, the star, the face that runs the place from Hockey Night in Canada, Mr. Ron McLean, joins us here on this Friday morning.
2: TGIF, sir. And to you, James, and to you, Perry. And as you know, the star of Hockey Hockey Day in Canada is always uh, the rink rat. That's a great thing about that show is uh, we finally get to shine a light on uh, so many people behind the, the guts of the game.
3: You know, when you look at what's going on here and and the concern that the Canucks are now having lost six straight, it's obviously conversation, um, you know, across the rest of the National Hockey League that at some point something might give. But was it not a nice distraction by the Vegas Golden Knights to wear those shiny gold helmets last night, Ron? <laughs>
5: <laughs>
2: Yeah. Uh you know that's I I'm, I'm missing the crowds more than I thought I would. Uh we didn't miss them in the playoffs cuz the rinks had lots of uh, bells and whistles and shiny objects. Uh, so this is the closest thing we've had. And yeah. <laughs> hey, what's
5: shiny? Crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Can't say yeah, I, I, I uh yeah, I, I it just felt, you know, I, I think it almost is to the point of uh, it's it's oh well, it's it's what it is. It's gimmicky kind of cool i'm sure uh, i don't think people will be buying them but who knows
3: well you know actually just just quickly here um ray ferraro's son uh landon plays over in the german league and i remember uh we were doing a voice session for the nhl video game for nhl 21 uh, going back a year or so ago there was uh, we were streaming the game and and in Europe the leading scorer on the team wears a shiny gold bucket in the game to kind of just help yes. fans identify yeah. that's the leading scorer i mean everybody's wearing a shiny gold helmet here but in Europe i mean that's kind of that's to recognize the guy who's who's putting up the points right now
2: and you know maybe that's not a bad idea right uh, I, I do think a lot of the things we've done, you know, and Vegas leads the way. There, for me, the, the back-to-back years of Nashville in the Stanley Cup and Vegas uh, with their deep run, it was just incredible to feel the energy in those buildings. So, can't complain about what they're doing, and you know that 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 whole retro look uh, idea has generated lots of good buzz. But we obviously. <laughs> I mean in Vancouver in particular we could use a uh, distraction but with the mm-hmm. all Canadian division we've we've been enjoying the hockey first and foremost uh, but you know even that you you get a reading on how quickly things can flip now Montreal's suddenly the offense has dried up and we're starting to poke holes in the Canadians. it's just a it's going to be a, a really interesting quick silver season
4: yeah and and everyone's going to go through it uh, the Canucks just can't get out of it from your vantage point ron where you see things uh as to what's going on in the west coast do you get the feeling um we're getting closer and closer to something being done whether it's right or wrong just to do it
2: well yes i, I do get that sense uh that, you know what what could you do to kind of flip the psychology of the team i agree with uh your your quick assessment about you know hit somebody uh, Kevin Bieksa his take obviously is uh, is to be respected and he just felt that the Canucks are fun to play against um, and that you know there was a moment in the uh, early going uh, the Kachucks and uh, Thatcher Demko would have a connection obviously through the U.S. College and such uh, but there was just a fun moment between Demko and Kachuk on the doorstep and I thought like how many other teams does Kachuk enjoy a fun moment with uh, and, <laughs> no. and I will give Antoine Roussel credit he was you know in Kachuk's kitchen, and he was going after a few guys in the game, but as a as a general rule, I, I and I, I loved the intensity of Pedersen all night long. I thought when Jacob Markstrom made a nice save on him in the first period, and he was on the iPad and shaking his head, and you can just see how badly he wants to try and uh, change the direction of this ship. And he had a great game, but as a as a team to play against, uh, you know, you'd want you're really missing uh, tanF and uh, I don't know about you know Toffoli suddenly not scoring, but. Uh, that's that's just what I think is is what Kevin said and what you said is that you know they need to find that first. Let let's go out and show that you know almost uh, anger as a gift.
3: Long before Brian Burke was working with all of us and then took his talents to Pittsburgh uh, earlier this week, Ron, do you do you not remember that that incident or that stretch when Brian was running the Leafs? And I kind of liken what. Maybe a comparison of what the Canucks are going through right now, but when Brian was the president and general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs back in around 2012, remember that stretch where the the, the Leafs lost, I think like 10 of 11, and Berkey had used that now infamous clip where, you know, we've kind of gone off the cl- the the cliff yeah, like the 18 18-wheeler, Wheeler, right? Right. right? The 18-wheeler, yeah. and it it's just there was and there was a lot of infrastructure with that team, and they were playing really well, and there was just you know there was no way to really explain it, and it feels like there's a sense of you know we can point to underperforming stars we can point to you know a lack of goaltending we can point to the flawed roster construct that Jim Benning, but just all of a sudden this team has just fallen apart right and it's and it's very similar to what we're what we saw what ten years ago when Brian was feuding with everybody and and the eighteen wheeler that now lives in infamy.
2: Well, a couple of things about that. I remember interviewing Brian uh, during that period and I he brought up the fact that teams roll into Toronto and they've got lots of Ontario born kids on their team And they're jacked for the game, and that's hard for us to face each and every night. And I said, well, Mm -hmm. why don't you have more Ontario kids on the team? And he was really mad at me for that question. I don't know what he thought. Uh, It was such a natural follow-up. But, but Brian, you know, Brian, (laughs) so he kind of gave me the gears about that particular question. But I remember as I was conducting the interview, he was over at what we then called the MasterCard Centre. It's now the Ford uh, Fourplex, where the Leafs practice. Mm -hmm. And in behind were the Leafs. And they were doing drills. And on, I'd say, seven of the drills, they were offside. They were doing line rushes, three-on-twos. And you could see they were just sloppy in their execution. And last night in the uh, early going with Vancouver, they had a good start. But there were two distinct offsides. I can't pinpoint who went off each time. But, you know, guys were trying to drag their leg, and it didn't pan out. And, and that you know what is it is it the guy with the puck is frozen mentally is it the guy without the puck is frozen mentally but that seems to have crept in much the way it did for Brian Burke's Toronto team uh, you're, you yeah there's no question they're they're trying as individuals uh, which is what happens you're 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 trying to lead and you're you're just you don't know what to do and that's where they're at right now and how they come out of it you know first goal would have helped and it didn't happen again and that's that's a trend um, but i mean i look at their goaltending i think it's fine and I, I look at their roster and i, I I think it's fine. Uh, I'm really, I'm really surprised for the rut, and that's why maybe the, you know, some psychological flip by virtue of a, of a change at uh, behind the bench or up top, you know, maybe, but, you know, wouldn't be my first, my first.
4: Time. Well, I, and it, and I agree, Ron, because it's you know, I made the point in the earlier hour, like if it was the the normal world, you'd be looking at a Western Conference, and 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 the Jets could be in, and the Oilers and the Flames could all be in. You wouldn't have to, you'd, you know, you'd be battling, you know, the Minnesota Wild and the Nashville Predators and the Arizona Coyotes to see if you can get that eighth spot. You're around the game so much, and people don't know. They see you on TV, but you've been a referee. You're always around minor league hockey. You know, probably as well as anyone, you talk about the offside and all that. This is a young team with young stars. Uh, John Shortis and, and John Garrett, who will join us in the eight o'clock hour, Cheech said they've only practiced five times this year. Like, don't you think that hurts a young, new group of guys? To, the coach can only control five practices so far this year.
2: Oh, I absolutely do. And I thought they needed the rest, and I had a, a lot of excuses a week ago. And I still do. I, I still believe in this team being a lot better than uh, what they're showing right now. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've seen it flip both ways. I've seen Ottawa start a season 19-1 and one and miss the playoffs. Uh, so the early, the early returns are... You know, always be careful of reading that first quarter. Uh, a lot of people put so much emphasis on it, uh, but you shouldn't. Uh, it's definitely the the period in which you're going to go through all of this. Uh, I think the practice, this this time spent at home, will be good. As I say, they weren't out of that game. It was uh, you know two goals off Jordy Ben and off Nate Schmidt. He's struggling, right? Just and you know what? T.J. Brody was struggling in his new look, whereas Chris Tanner for whatever reason, he went in and just owned Calgary. He he set up Noah Hannifin, uh, who was you know. Always a, a, a great prospect, but now he and Hannafin are just dynamite, and it's taken a load off Mark Giordano, and it's just funny how it works. Uh, but now Brody's found his game, and let's just see if Nate Schmidt can can find his, because that, that would be a key. When you lose Tanef the guy that replaces him is struggling, it doesn't take long for the cold finger of blame
3: hockey day in canada is tomorrow uh you and i spent a hockey day in canada in kamloops uh, going back a few years ago now and there's uh there are long days and even longer nights i know from my own personal experience uh what changes for hockey day in canada for this year i guess from a virtual standpoint ron
2: yeah well i'll be on an outdoor rink but i'll probably be a a lonely skater which is the worst <laughs> thing everybody loves to have a blank sheet and Time to yeah. breathe by themselves. So unless it's freezing, we'll, and you've done some cold uh, it's hockey be, too. it's going to be <laughs> nasty. It's going to be a, a, a chilly wind, and it coming off Lake Ontario, oh. even though it won't be minus twenty or forty. It will be minus ten, and that will feel like minus twenty or. 40. But that's okay. You can can always, as they say, you can always dress for it. Uh, We've got a a really nice show planned and we're hoping, I think, you know, everybody's kind of resorted, at least in Oakville, there's like a million more rinks than we normally would have, outdoor backyard rinks. Mm -hmm. So I hope the Canadians will send us pictures of how they're enjoying a patch of ice, could be a river, lake, anything. Uh, We've got a few already in the books from BC. So I think it'll be a fun little indication of how we're coping with, without minor hockey. And yeah, lots of great stories, uh, unbelievable number of uh, Jamaican connections. So Anthony Stewart's on our show, is uh, his father's Jamaican. And uh, yeah, I'm going to bring in some patties tomorrow evening uh, when I finally leave the rink here in Oakville and go in late at night for the, for the Vancouver game. Uh, we'll all oh, be nice. enjoying uh, some
4: patties, Jamaican patties. I, I tell you, I, I love living on the West Coast, Ron. But in the last couple of games and on Wednesday night, what a setup does Jeff Merrick have in his backyard? Man, to see yeah. you on backyard ice, that is when you just go, oh, gosh, that's Canada for you right there. And Merrick's setup's you know great, what? isn't it?
2: It's a really nice setup with a, with a barn and, uh, you know, evergreens. So it's right out of the, you know, Norman Rockwell. And then I went down to the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, and the rinks were all over there. And then I went over to Burlington yesterday, and now I'll be on one in Oakville. And honestly, it's, uh, it's just, they're sprinkled everywhere around the greater Toronto area. So it's been a, I remember the first year we did Rogers Hometown Hockey. It felt like, okay, how is this hometown hockey? There's no rinks. It took till we got to Sudbury in December for us to have an outdoor patch of ice. And then it felt legit. So I know what you're speaking of.
3: Well, enjoy it. Uh, stay warm. Uh, I think this is the first time in a long time that we can actually empathize about the brisk cold because I think it's minus 11 with the wind chill here this morning, which is the equivalent of being wow. minus 50 here for us Vancouverites. Right? So yeah. uh, uh, stay safe out there and um, have a great time this well,
2: weekend. Well, my plan is to wear a couch and sweater. So a Vancouver Island uh, wool will nice. warm. Uh, there you go.
3: You make those couch and sweaters, uh, you pull them off so well on those Hockey Day in Canada's, man.
2: We're going to see. <laughs> there's, going to be a, there's going to be a lot of thanks, wet, wet wool. Yeah, thanks, you guys.
3: Yeah. No, Ron, I tell you, man, you, you nailed, man, I think it was last year or two years ago, you, you had, what, I think like a five-minute opening with a jib cam following you, and you're on the ice floating around, going from one group to the next. There's a reason why you've been doing what you do for the last 30-plus years, man. You're incredible, and thanks for joining us every Friday morning. Thanks, Ron. Take care.
2: Thanks, James. Thanks, Barry.
3: Uh, there All he is, right, Rob yeah. McLean from uh, Hockey Night in Canada, weighing in with uh, his thoughts. And, uh, you know, what? It, it is, I mean, you know, finding those parallels for teams that are scuffling, it's sloppy plays, right? It's, it's the little things that, you know, look at how even the Canucks puck luck last night, right? I mean, is there a different way to try to approach defending the way it ultimately wound up going off? You got one shot that goes off Jordy Ben. You got one shot that goes off Nate Schmidt. You know, you haven't seen any sort of fortuitous bounce like that for the Canucks this season, pair. Well,
4: no, James. And someone texted in, and we've got so many texts in. Please join the conversation, 650-650. Um, and they reminded, said, hey, think of that Winnipeg game when they played well. Brock Besser scores because a puck hits the skate of a defenseman in front of the net and goes right to Besser, and Hellebuck doesn't see it. Yeah, that, there's a break. And then later on in the game, shot comes up above, goalie can't see it, and there comes Hoglander. And he spots it out of the air and bats it in. And you go, yeah, you're right. And I think any coach will tell you it kind of evens out over the course of the year. But Nate Schmidt was saying post game, he goes, okay, last game, I kick a puck inadvertently right to the stick of the opponent. And he goes, last night, it goes off a guy in front of me and then off me and in the net. He goes, I'll be honest with you. That has never happened in my career, both those things. And it's back to back. Bad luck? I don't know. Good to be lucky. Lucky to be good. They've got to find something within themselves, James. It's it's little mistakes, and they have to be perfect to win right now or close to it. Better team for 40 minutes and you lose is like, you know, I was going to get you this for Christmas. I didn't. Then the result, you look at the standings, and, man, I can't believe here we are in the middle of February, and you look and go, hang on, man. People are starting to pull away, and we're talking playoff spot, not top of the standings. I just don't know if they figure it out.
3: We're gonna play Canucks in a song coming up at uh, 7:30 this morning. 6:50, 6:50 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Get those submissions in. We always play it for some of you that are just finding us for the first time here on Sportsnet 650. Every day, every morning after a Canucks game, we play Canucks in a song, and you pick the song that best sums up the Canucks' performance from the night prior. Music is so subjective. A lot of great submissions coming in. Get your submission in at six fifty, six fifty on the Dunbar Lumber text line, and we'll get to much more on this. And uh, as the Canucks now make it six straight losses, uh, a couple of other stories that are uh, that are trending here this morning, pair. How about uh, what a disaster with the Houston Texans? And man, you talk about the goodwill that has been evaporating around that franchise, much like you know, parallel to what we've seen with the Vancouver Canucks here uh, this season. J.J. Watt, released by the Texans this morning. He took to social media to announce it with a, with a video post. But there's a guy, when you look at how good, uh, how much of an impact he has had, not only on the field, but in the community. He's not the player he once was, but still, big, big, big news for a guy who has represented that franchise with such class for so long.
5: We
4: love the passion of the fans in Vancouver because we sit and wait and try and get to the top of the mountain. But the difficulty, and I won't draw the parallel here because there's money situations, to see decisions made. If you were a Houston Texans fan, and we've talked a lot of Houston Texans on this show, James, because Christian Covington joins our show. He's already been tweeting and saying, J.J. Watt, Houston royalty. So you looked at it and you thought with Deshaun Watson, with J.J. Watt, they're okay. With, with Hopkins, they've got the receivers, and then they start just peeling these guys away. And I remember walking off the field. We played the video. J.J. Watt walks up to Deshaun Watson. Last game of the season says, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry what we did. You had a great year, and we did nothing to support you. And he felt bad for him. But here's a guy, when you ask an athlete to embrace where you live, did so much for Houston. He's got over a million views already in the last 20 minutes because he just posted a video make sure he could say an appropriate goodbye. Man, it's tough sometimes being a fan of, of teams that just aren't good enough to get over the hump, but when they dismantle that football team like they have in Houston, I don't know. How, how do you want to root for the Texans for the next little while?
3: Well, I mean, look at what they've done ultimately with, I mean, the DeAndre Hopkins trade from last year and to, to trade somebody that good for very little on the return, and now you've got a disgruntled Deshaun Watson. Look. J.J. Watt has dealt with injuries. I can understand making the move on this from a financial standpoint. You know, J.J.'s sack total, his production has dropped off. And, you know, he's dealt with a lot of injuries, Pair, You know, he's played two 16-game seasons in the last five years, and, and the other three, you know, have been anywhere between five to eight games that he's been able to play. And, you know, injuries have impacted this guy's career. But, man, at one time, the most disruptive force in the National Football League Uh, It'll be intriguing to see where he ultimately winds up. But uh, the end of an era with the Houston Texans. Meantime, Australian Open, they're still playing the tournament, uh, despite the fact that uh, the area, the Victoria area, has now gone on a lockdown again. Uh, So they're playing with no fans in the stands. But this morning it was a little Canadian-on-Canadian violence as uh, Felix auger Aliassim knocked out... Dennis Shapovalov in straight sets, winning this one, 7-5, 7-5, 6-3. So a big win for Felix as he moves on to the fourth round at the Australian Open. Milos Raonic, also a winner in the third round today. So Milos and uh, Felix both moving on. That's a big win for Felix where I feel like Shapovalov's kind of had the edge in that little rivalry, but they always seem to match up these days.
4: Every Grand Slam, man. They, they win their first couple of rounds, and then it's got to be Canadian on Canadian. Like someone says... Uh, well, we can't have a Canadian go too far on either side of the draw. It is though, and you know what? They're great friends, great competition, and it'll be nice because it looks like on the ladies' side, Bianca's return wasn't what she had hoped for. It's been a long time off for him, so let's hopeful in a strange time. We'll have more on a crazy heckler at the Aussie Oz- Open coming up on PSBS. But as long as uh, as long as we've got some Canadian representation, I'm all for it. But there's the scare, as you said, in New Zealand. They're going to barbecues with the Prime Minister everywhere else in the world and now in Australia locking down because of COVID
3: should also point out that JJ Watt, he had, he had actually requested this, say
4: he wants out, right? Mm -hmm. So you give it to him, but and, and that's the thing with the NFL, right? You got big tickets. They're not guaranteed. If you can move it, you move. But when a guy who loves his city moves, uh, how do you all of a sudden become a fan of your team? They're rebuilding, I guess. Hey, we've seen it happen in Miami and three years later, they enjoy that Miami dolphins football team. We'll see if it happens and in Houston.
3: All right. It is uh, 26 minutes after 7 o'clock here on this Friday edition of the starting lineup here on Sportsnet 650. I'm James Cebulski. He's Perry Solkowski. 650-650, the Dunbar-Lumber text line. Get those submissions in. We'll hit the music. We'll play Canucks in a song. Don't forget your Canucks commute at 8 with John Shorthouse and John Garrett. It's all still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Trust me
5: and take my hand. When the lights go out, you'll understand.
0: Love.
5: Can't get
0: this is the starting lineup with Jim Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song.
3: Oh, Kyle going with a little three days grace this morning that submission. 650-650 the Dunbar Lumber text line. Get those submissions in. You're Canucks in a song. A lot of them ported. There's some really clever ones that we haven't seen before. And uh, to some of you newcomers, welcome. James Sobalski, Perry Sokowski with you. We are the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650 as the Canucks make it six straight losses and counting. Thank you, Jim, trending last night, the kinder, gentler side and sarcastic side of Canucks Twitter. Love it. Love it. Everybody having a good time. And, and Per, I, I just wonder, though, how much longer does this continue before ultimately something has to give here with this franchise because at some point status quo will not be acceptable even with no fans in the stand
5: yeah
4: and i i i think the uh the oh four would would be the mark for sure and i don't even know if one win in these four games against calgary is enough um the difference is it's like okay what's what's the decision you know a change of gm and we know you know, and, and someone texts in, well, they're, they're paying Benning anyways. And, and that's why you look, do they want to have, you know, a, a, another employee, a, a, another payday on the books with a second GM? And this time, I would say ownership is no. Do you make that change to a guy that you're not committed to behind the bench? So you're just paying out the next couple of months of Travis Green's contract and go and say goodbye to a coach that's kind of been with these guys, some through the minors right till now. That seems harsh. I think Travis Green will be behind an NHL bench next year. But at some point, it just seems like you're getting closer to what's the move, right? What's the move? And and if Travis Green is the guy and takes the hit, as you've seen so many times where players go, that's on us, just to get a spark, I think it's Jim Benning's last move because I think you're waiting to make that GM move in the offseason. But if you would have told me that there's a real possibility that either both Travis Green and Jim Benning are gone at the end of the year – I would have said, man, this team has to find some tank job like I could never believe. And right now they're on course for that.
3: At this point, Elliot Friedman was on our sister station, uh, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, in Toronto this morning and weighed in on the uh, the state of the Canucks right now. Here's the Sportsnet's hockey insider.
8: Look, I think this organization knew this year was going to be a challenge, but I don't think they ever expected it to be this. And And the tough thing about that is, Um, you know, I just, I just, I'm not sure where you go right now. Um, If you do make the change, what's your interim situation? Or do you have someone you're bringing in full time? And, you know, I I think it's a real challenge to do that in the middle of the season. You know, I, I think what happened was with Pittsburgh was, Number one, I think it's easier to do things in the States because if you wanna bring people in, there's there's less rules about what you're gonna do. I think Pittsburgh knew Hex like I believe Hexall was probably right at the top of the list when it started and nothing that happened in his first interview changed that. And he obviously became the guy. And then Berkey, you know, he kinda Berkey kind of was a late entry into the game, but they knew the guy. I just wonder, is there anything as clear-cut in Vancouver's eyes? So I always say, okay, if you're going to make the change, what's the alternative? And the alternative became pretty clear in Pittsburgh pretty quickly. I don't know if I see it as clearly in Vancouver.
3: That, that, there it is, right? At, at some point, like something has to give. The easier move pair is probably from a coaching standpoint right now. But I think the one that everybody wants to see is for Jim Benning to go. And if the bleeding continues the way it is at six games and counting, you know, at some point you're going to have to pull the trigger, especially if this series turns out to be the disaster, you know, when these four games right against the flames, I, I just, who do you interview? And who's the inspiring candidate to come in? Like Roberto Luongo's name came up this week. Like, He's got mm-hmm. no experience. I mean, Chris Pronger, I, I like what Chris can bring to the table. He's got some experience in the front office, but I don't think he's the guy to, to run things. John Ferguson Jr.? I mean, is that the guy? Mike Fuda? Uh, you know, I, like, there's just, I don't know if there's a lot of inspiring candidates out there that come to mind to step in. And, and who who do you give the keys to on an interim basis? Is John Weisbrot well, that guy? I don't think this market would stand for that either.
4: And I think that's the tough decision. As Elliot said, It's uh, you understand someone goes okay you, you have to make a change just to ignite things but what is the logical change beca- because of the restrictions and 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 i'll tell you this so jim benning's the guy you know bring in a new gm or you fire let's so travis green okay we got to get travis green's gone the gm that comes in will probably look and go hey travis green kind of might have been my guy right normally the gm comes in okay i got to find my coach but honestly I think Travis Green is the right fit. And maybe I'm not going to be a Travis Green apologist, but he's done some really good things with this hockey team, considering how they played in the bubble. Like Travis Green might have been one of the hottest commodities in the NHL. And I think Travis will work in this league if somehow it doesn't work out here. But the fix is not as simple. And again, I bring up this point this was a team that was fighting to get into the postseason last year. And if things were normal, they would be battling again with Arizona, Minnesota, Nashville. And you're telling me that you don't think they're good enough to beat those teams and actually be a playoff team? Now, not a cup contender, but they have been moved up in weight class against the Canadian competition, and they're not ready for it yet.
3: You know, somebody texting in uh, at 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line to mention that, um, that uh, you know, Sat Shaw was mentioning uh, uh, this week that, you know, he's not he doesn't think that Jim Benning's contract is guaranteed after this season which would certainly lend for a little bit of flexibility to not have to worry about paying too high level salaries now I don't know if that's definitive just yet or not I think there's still some uh, there's still some ambiguity with respect to that but the fact is that you know you're taking on another high level salary as an executive in the NHL nevertheless you know, status quo is not going to be accepted much longer. And tomorrow night, another nationally televised game. And if the Canucks don't show well tomorrow night, um, you have to wonder how much longer it's acceptable to just keep running the same old, same old out. Because you know, replacing replacing Zach McEwen for Jake for Tan is not getting it done right. You know, replacing Louis Erickson for for Justin Bailey, like just you know, making these changes pair like it's not good enough. Put you know chatfield for your levy these these sorts of the the dink and dunk sort of personnel moves that you can make nothing's working you can't just keep changing the goalie like at some point something has to give here
4: yeah but how do you make that change like do you make that change just because or do you have to step back as we do and realize maybe we shouldn't judge so much on this unique season now, I, I think I think we're both in agreement. If this team is not a playoff team, Jim Benning is not here. And whoever gets the keys to this car, it's a pretty nice car. You know, you got to deal with the contract right away and make sure you got your pillars and your young stars. And then you look and go, we've got some. Oh, and by the way, check the trunk of the car. There's some money to spend as well. This team is going the right way. I just think we were all expected that we would continue down the highway of hope and fun. And we have been diverted and pulled over. And we're at the way scale and we are way over with expectation. And that's tough to get around. But you know, I'm Braden, thank you for the text. There are some people that have figured out that they they can, you know, they're still positive. It's just tough to see it and to hear, hey, we played well. They didn't get any points.
3: Uh, all right, let's hit some of the music here. Uh, a lot of submissions pouring in and you're in your Canucks and a song here on Sportsnet 650, 650, 650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Let's start with, how about this submission? This is coming in from a few of our listeners already this morning. It's NSYNC. Maybe a tribute to Jim Benning. Maybe Travis. bye, bye, bye. bye, bye. Bye-bye-bye from NSYNC. Uh, how about this one? This one from Doug this morning. And uh, the way things are trending, I think a lot of Canucks fans can empathize with this. It's the end of the world. And we know it. It's the
5: end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. We
3: know it. I feel fine. You know, Solid version from R.E.M., also pretty good uh, cover by uh, Great Big C as well. Uh, Greg going with this Jeff Beck classic, Going Down.
5: Down, down. Down, 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 down.
3: And not the going down in a good way, Perry.
4: Yeah. No, you're right. Hey, you know, people have tried to stay positive with this. That's okay. Canucks in a song is so much better when they win, and that just hasn't happened that often, everybody, to get you going in the morning. I'm not even going to replay mine. I was so doom and gloomy with it, but ah, some good suggestions so far.
3: Uh, Let's get one more. Uh, We've got no BS, just straight up PS coming your way in just a matter of moments. Your Canucks commute also coming up at 8 o'clock, but as a lot of people also submitting this one here, it's one from the old school soundtrack and also from the old school it's a little dust in the wind from Kansas here on your home of the Canucks.
5: Sportsnet 650.
3: I'm
5: dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind.
0: He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter. Sort of. We call BS. You want it. I want the truth. It's not BS. Just PS with Perry Solkowski.
4: PS, the initials, BS, what we do for a living. Here's some stuff that's fun that's going on in the world of sports, everybody. There are going to be ultimate rank rats for 2021. Hey,
0: are you awake? Yeah. I just want you to know I hate you,
5: and so does my dad. (laughs)
4: Stepbrothers of a different kind, get a load of this. The Red Deer Rebels, of course, of the Western Hockey League, they have decided they will live in the centrium, the arena in which they play them. They'll start the 24-game regular season. They're playing the Alberta teams. February 26th it starts. Brent Sutter, their head coach, said, you know what? we've talked to everybody this is the safest thing so James they've taken all the suites in that rink they've turned them they put the beds in them they put basketball nets in ping-pong tables Wi-Fi set up school is set up for the kids meals in the kitchen and those guys are hanging 24 7 in the rink to play this year that is awesome
3: that's uh, that's next level that's uh, that's a long day in the rink I mean, every day. But honestly, day. I,
4: you know, if you're 17 or 19, aren't you going, this is cool? And I think they'll love it. I don't I don't feel bad for them. I think this is going to be a – Can you see like the sun? It's like you're at a university
3: storm. Yeah, can you see the sun at any point? You see – I mean, the, the National Hockey League and the Players Association just added, announced further restrictions uh, or, or further measures, if you will, that players are now essentially home into the rink, right? You know, I don't think you can even go grocery shopping anymore.
4: For a bunch of kids, I think it'll be okay. Hey PS everybody, rafi nadal has moved on in the Australian Open, but not before getting an earful from
5: a fan. We don't talk anymore. We not talk anymore. We not talk
4: anymore. Man, this lady was absolutely screaming at Nadal. He was on serve, he was serving. She went on a rant on him, and then he stopped, looked, and then she looked up and started giving him the finger took a while for security actually came and removed her. Uh, Nadell, of course, as they do at the Aussie Open and big tennis tournaments, you know, they do the interview on court afterwards, and the guy just said, hey, do you know her? Nope, don't know her. Don't care to know her. So, hey, people are bottled up and frustrated. She's allowed to go to a tennis tournament, which they're not allowed to anymore at the Aussie Open because of lockdown now. But Nadell, you put up with it. There's a good place for a good heckler, right? Were you ever a heckler?
3: Yeah, uh, you know, you know what? I, I just not so much at a sporting event. I was uh, I sat front row ringside at a at a WWF or WWE event back in the '90s, and I just was, you know, it's early 20s, and I was just not that not that I was profane. I was just I was just ridiculous, just ridiculous. And, 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 and I you know, a- you start getting the crowd kind of popping uh, just because because you're being so annoying, you can just tell the one guy's just. He's just not it. He's just not impressed, right? That was probably my one that I could think of.
4: Did it once when I was probably twelve or thirteen at a at a pro soccer game. The Edmonton Drillers who played against the Whitecaps, and there was a a local guy on the team. And so, of course, you're thinking you're better than the local guy. And we, me and my buddies, ripped into him for probably you know a full half. And then a, a nice lady in front of us turned around and said, "That's my son." <laughs> oh! Oh. You learn your lesson You know, hey,
3: pair. I walked the fine line real quick. Um, I was covering a, a Boston-Carolina series uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and I was the ringside reporter years back. I'm in the crowd. It's in Carolina, and this uh, fan sitting next to me, this gentleman, and he's like, uh, oh, TSN, who, who are you going for? I'm like, uh, you know, the sooner this series ends, the sooner I'm going home. I got no dog in the hunt, but who's ever up? I think the Canes are up. I'm like, oh, I'll take Carolina. He's like. What do you think of Eric Cole? And I looked at him and I just said, he needs to start scoring. And Cole was just terrible at that point. I said, he needs to start scoring. He's like, no crap, he's my son. <laughs> I'm like, Man, that could have gone way worse.
4: Oh, yeah. Hey, P.S., I admire the courage of anyone to get behind the wheel of a race
9: car.
5: And Fernando Alonso wins his first Grand
9: Prix, and he becomes the youngest man ever to win.
4: Formula One Grand Prix. He's had a great career, Alonso, but here's this. He's an avid cyclist, and who would have thought it was cycling where he got into a big accident yesterday. Broken jaw, concussion, airlifted. He was up in the Swiss, and he was riding his bike. Which is what he likes to do, but uh, a nasty, uh, nasty accident for him. He will be okay. Formula One's about six weeks away. They say he will likely be able to get behind the wheel. But, you, you know, you put your life in danger. And then it's cycling, you have to do the action. Like,
3: what, what are the odds? Stick to four wheels, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, no. You know what? I got a scar on my lip to this day from off my bike right into the handlebars of another guy's bike, and it doesn't go away. Nasty, nasty. And P.S., man, I wish this was B.S., but it's not. James, I told you the dog story yesterday, and all the dogs in our house, three of them are all rescue dogs, so I love my animals. A jockey in Australia banned for a year yesterday for kicking horses. This comes after being suspended, and there's video of this whipping a horse across the head after he lost the race. Chris MacGyver's 33. He's done. They found him. He was stomping on the hindquarters of the horse. Listen, if the sport is done the right way, I understand the interest and the fun. But come on. That's how you make a living. That's how you treat the animal. Not a year. Just get them out of the business completely.
3: Well, just as long as they don't take them to the glue factory, right?
4: Push them away. Push them away. None of that was BS, everybody. That's all PS on this Friday night.
3: By the way, Pear, uh, I still can't find Old Yeller on Disney+. Plus.
4: Why do you want you to put your kids through that?
3: <laughs> I feel like every kid has to. If I had to endure it, my dad had to endure it. I feel like it should be a, you know. Teach kids.
4: I mean, come on. What was the be. name of that great dog? Uh, was it Pacey? You used Pacey? to bring in the shop?
3: Uh, yes. P- yeah. Pacey was our dog. We yes. had to say goodbye. Yes.
4: Yeah. Pacey was your dog. He passed away. The kids The kids have lived it. Why are you going to show it to him on a screen? Hey, let's get around. This will be a cheery movie.
3: <laughs> it's a Disney movie, right? <laughs> There's Heart another Disney movie called
4: Spirit. Yeah, there's a Spirit Horse was a Disney movie when my daughter was younger, and she yeah. never forgave us for showing it to her, right?
3: Oh, yeah, gonna... Spirit, for sure. It's not a Disney movie, but it's uh, – Brian Adams does that soundtrack on that. That was all Brian Adams. But, yes, not a not really? exactly a – man, it's not an uplifting, inspirational
4: uh... – No, it's like a Canucks game. You don't feel good after it.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a Canucks – you know what? It, what, Canucks in a movie, Spirit – titanic um,
4: old yeller there you uh, go
3: yeah shawshank redemption um <laughs> glory yeah braveheart um yeah moving on uh five minutes to uh, eight o'clock here on this friday morning james sobalski perry solkowski with you your canucks commute is next vancouver's most beloved couple shorty cheech weigh in with their thoughts next right here on your home of the canucks sportsnet 650
0: they're not coffee
8: drinkers But they still keep it right in the mornings. If you do make the change, what's your interim situation? Or do you have someone you're bringing in full time? The alternative became pretty clear in Pittsburgh pretty quickly. I don't know if I see it as clearly in Vancouver.
0: The Canuck commute on the starting lineup.
3: It's your Canucks commute, uh, hour number three here on this Friday morning here on the starting lineup on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. It's an hour uh, presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Nasir and the gang over at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. Not a lot of quality. A very uh, united community uh, with respect to thank you, Jim. Trending last night on Twitter here, Perry, as uh, the Canucks now fall for their sixth straight game, and people screaming for you know heads to roll. Something's got to give here. You know, a couple of points being made though on our Dunbar Lumber text line this morning, Perry. The sense that hey, look, you know, is there a sense of urgency on the organization's part? to have to fire, say, Jim Benning or fire Travis Green, for that matter, if you don't have fans in the stands, right? I mean, that's one advantage that yep. right now, like, uh, so I, w- I did an interview on Calgary Radio yesterday, they said, is there one positive right now for the Canucks? I said, well, Niels Hoaglander, and probably the fact that they haven't been booed off the ice this year, but there's no fans to do that right now.
4: Yeah, uh, Dave and Polko, and thank you, everybody, who's been chiming in on the text line, the Dumbar lumber text line at six fifty six fifty. And I think in a, in a case to what Elliot was just saying there in the clip we played coming in, you know, really, what is the fix doing to the product on the ice right now? Is it changing it? You're not really making any trades and are you finding someone now you're limiting your search to guys in Canada or you're just putting someone with an interim base on there, or do you let Jim just run it as he can? You're not expecting he's doing a lot. I don't think the trade deadline is going to show a bunch of activity you're kind of running the course, seeing if the players can figure it out, and then you've got your assessment and, and hopefully bring someone in as quickly as possible of the candidates and maybe some new candidates that show up in the next little bit. I, I just find that's the right way. If I'm running the team, I'm living with what we have here for the next three months and then making my decision. But it just seems every day we get on this radio station and every day the people are saying, yeah, I'm tired of hearing we were better today too because you look at the standings and it's going the wrong way. But I just wonder, and we know the Aquilini's. are they actually going to have the patience to see this team maybe lose all four against Calgary or just win one and, again, see Markstrom play well and go, that's enough. I need to do something. I don't think they can remain patient and say, we're just going to let it ride out this year. We will just see if that is the situation. Uh, we will be joined momentarily by the guys who called the game and always have. We'll catch up for a while, have a little bit of a roundtable with John Shorthouse and John Garrett, and get their take as to uh, what they felt of this team. And they've seen it before, and you have seen it before. A hockey team that plays hard and can't find results. Who do you pin it on? A poll question is about that. Who who do you look for that should be leading the way? JT Miller's taking the the brunt of the hit, but I got to ask you, did you not think Bo Horvat, Bo Horvat in August in Edmonton, Bo Horvat has said, Jump on my shoulders. We're beating the St. Louis Blues. I'll lead the league in playoff scoring for a while as well. I can do everything. You don't think Bo needs to be a little more responsible? 38% in the faceoff circle yesterday. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that's not it. I think only one game of the last nine, he's been above 50%. That's not Bo Horvat. And you know what really stinks? If you can't score, you're a big man. Just lay the body of the odd time. Don't be easy to play against. And say what you will about official stat sheet, but the official stat sheet that came out yesterday, Bo Horvat didn't have a hit. Can't happen, man. Can't happen. Nils Holglander's been the best forward on this team in the last three weeks, the most consistent, which is awesome. But it's also a little bit of an indictment. Like, everybody else has got to be step up. You can't have a kid coming over from Sweden, surprisingly getting the opportunity, making the most of it, you know, when we talk to Shorty and Cheech, they love how relentless he is, like the little water bug out there, but that can't be your best player. We'll see if they bring it tomorrow night against a team that will likely be full of Jacob Markster making saves once again. Well, Pair, I'm back, man. Input?
3: I'm back, man.
4: Oh, oh yeah. you're back.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Just I say, think this was Jim Benning's fault. It. It's Jim Benning's no, fault. listen. It's Benning's fault. Everybody...
4: <laughs> <laughs> Trending now is thank you, Seaball. Um, But the fact is The fact is And Uh, we talked about it earlier You know Bo's got to do it right now And people texting He's got hands of steel That's okay If you got hands of stone Of steel right now Then guess what Hit somebody Do something Forecheck That's what they're supposed to be about He's got a C Wear that C And tell the guys to follow Follow me This is what I'm doing Honestly it looks like Hoagland is going Hey guys watch my shift If you do like I'm doing We'll be okay And I don't know if that should be the case
3: John Shorthouse, John Garrett, the dynamic duo, joining us here on our Canucks commute here on this uh, Friday morning, gentlemen. How are you guys?
1: I'm good. I'm good. He's up. <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, hey, first, first and foremost, I I love what you guys had to say last night to kind of follow up on uh, what Murph's comments were. I think uh, I think we all kind of feel very empathetic. But you guys, Shorty, obviously, you spent a lot of time in that building uh, as well. But um, let's let's kind of dive in what we saw on the ice uh, last night. What what stands, uh, Shorty? I start with you. What what's most glaring right now? It's what's missing with this team compared to the the club that we all kind of fell in love with uh, in the bubble last summer.
9: Um, at the risk of uh, angering our old friend Andy Murray, and Keach knows where I'm going now. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, there's just a distinct lack of confidence. I think uh, within the group, um, you can sense it just when you you know. See shots at the bench. Uh, you see uh, lack of cohesion at times. Um, you see, particularly on the power play, I think uh, reticence um, towards uh, shooting the puck, making a play. Uh, I, I don't think they're that far off, but they—it's one of those situations where you need something good to happen um, to, to try to trend this the other way. And I know that. Uh, certain people think that confidence is overrated, but when you've lost six in a row, some of the games uh, quite badly, um, it 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 can really take you down a peg or two, and it's tough to to climb back up the ladder. So, um, I don't know, Cheech, you've you've been in these rooms, you've been you've been on some bad teams, uh, or at least <laughs> gone through gone through bad times. I mean, I don't know what you're seeing. Well,
1: Ed, I agree with you, that, uh, and you look back to the Ottawa series and uh, how they snowballed that into a four-game win streak and only allowed four goals against and piled up their goals four uh, because they got on a roll against Ottawa. Okay, Ottawa's goaltending wasn't very good, but that's uh, when you get your confidence. You get some breaks. You, I mean, seven goal posts for Elias Petterson. I think he might have hit one again, last night so you've got eight posts and say half of them go in so he's got four more and you need something good to happen I agree with that but uh, I heard you talking about Bo earlier and I really do believe that uh, the captaincy when you're in the bubble it was easy for the guys to get together because you're always together you were in the bubble and you ate every meal together and you were close and uh, you didn't have to worry about all the outside influences but now Uh, the team's going south and you've scored six goals in your last uh, or you've scored 11 goals in your last six games and you can't get anything going and uh, you feel the stress of being the captain and you can't call those meetings that every captain called on every team that I was on where okay after practice we're all going for lunch we're all going to sit around and uh, we'll have the truth serum going and uh, everybody can vent and you get things off your chest. Now you can't do that You've, because of the COVID. You you have to go back to your hotel room, stay in your own room. You can't even have little card games. And uh, I, I think Bo's feeling a lot of the pressure of being the captain and, and not being able to handle uh, the captaincy the way you normally would. And uh, I think that's part of it. Sure, he's not playing as well as he could, but uh, I think he's got that added pressure.
4: Uh John Shorthost, John Garrett joining us. Uh Shorty, uh, you know, as as far as media go, you may know the Aquilinis as good as anybody. Do you think they stay patient? Because I agree. I don't think it's on Travis. Jim can only do something. And yeah, he's he he's he's built this. Um, but do you think we see a change for the sake of change in one of those positions? If it, you know, this week, you know, they win one or maybe they don't win in against Calgary? Do they make a move because they have to?
9: I have no knowledge of what any plan is. Um, um, I I would say that it's the nature of pro sports. I wouldn't be surprised uh, of anything. Um, Personally, uh, I wouldn't uh, make (laughs) probably a move. This year of all years, I just don't see what difference it's going to make um, to to make any kind of change in season. Um, I, I don't blame the coaches for what's going on right now. Um, you know, the same coaches they were last year, the same coaches they were in the bubble. Um, it's it, it's tough to pinpoint exactly what, you know, John and I were talking last night, and I don't know how much this has been talked about, but for all the excitement about the all-Canadian division and how hyped up people were to see these rivalries and these series and they're going to get heated And the hockey's going to be like playoff atmosphere every night. Kind of overlooked in all this is these are all, (laughs) I hate to say it, but they're all pretty much bad matchups for the Canucks. Can I just run through some numbers for you? Sure. Sure. Calgary is now 16-4-4 in its last 24 against Vancouver. Toronto is 7-0-1 in its last eight and has beaten the Canucks 10 straight games at home. Montreal in its last 14 is 12 and 2 against Vancouver. They went into Winnipeg and beat the Jets. That ended a 10-game losing streak against Winnipeg, who had also won 14 of the last 15 head-to-head matchups before that game last Saturday. The, the, these are just... It doesn't mean you can't turn it around and these trends can't change. I mean, before Toronto went on its, it's current run, uh, the Canucks had beaten the Leafs 11 in a row. These things are um, cyclical, but it's the cycle's in a bad spin right now. And, well, but guys, and
4: shorty, I was making the point kid. for the last couple hours. If it's not a normal year, and if you guys were traveling or looking at, you know, Anaheim and all that, you would be talking about, I think they'll catch Arizona and they're better than Minnesota. Like, this likely is a playoff team because you're not worried about two of those guys. And Winnipeg can get in, and Calgary and Edmonton can get in, and you still might be top eight in the West. Are we losing perspective of that?
9: Maybe I just I just I just threw out some numbers that a lot of these match, and I didn't even get in because I was just jotting this down before I came on the air. These were the ones that jumped out at me. Uh, you know, I didn't even get into Edmonton or, or Ottawa. And I look, look, they lost to Ottawa. remember the Bobby Ryan hat trick last year. You know, oh, well, I- it's <laughs> it's just not uh, favorable at this moment in time in terms of the NHL cycle.
1: Shorty, you could have got into the goaltenders' the records. Carey Price against the Canucks,
9: Patrick yes, right. Anderson against the Canucks, uh, uh, Connor
1: Hellebuyck against the Canucks, Jacob Marsham. Say yeah, Jacob Marsham. It, it's just unbelievable. And Shorty was talking about the match between about the goaltender Carey Price nine sixty or was it Jacob Marsham nine sixty eight save percentage. It, it's just, and you're playing the same guy who is just bulging with confidence. Four nights
3: in a row. I mean, it's just it's just glaring to see a team that just looks so overwhelmed out there right now from a personnel standpoint. And you know, I, I think it's the market doesn't seem to be in a position to want to accept it. But it wasn't inconceivable that a young core could take a step backwards. I mean, you, you look at recent history in the last ten years. I mean, the Abs took a step back when they kind of first po- broke through with Nate McKinnon. The Oilers with the best player in the in the world. Uh, they took a step back after getting, what, a game within reaching the conference final. I mean, even look at Tampa Bay. With all the embarrassment of riches that they had with Hedman and Stamkos, it took them a decade to finally to win. And, you know, even getting to the Stanley Cup, they missed the playoffs the following year, uh, you know, going back to 20 what 15, I think it was. Like, young teams or young cores do take steps back. It just feels like this market was just in no position after going through a very lengthy rebuild to say, hey, a re, you know, a step back might be okay. But I think it's the effort, though, that seems to be the toughest part, guys. Like, it just doesn't seem to be there on the ice. I think well, it's I been think better. I,
9: I, the last two games, it's been better. Um, yeah, they have I, much uh, better. And
1: I agree. And it's a fragile team. Uh, I mean, they play great for two periods, and then they come out in the start of the third period. Toronto has one good shift to set the tone, and then they get a face-off goal, and it folds up. And last night, the Goudreau goal, and you could – and how there was still, what, 12 minutes left when Goudreau scored? Oh, more than that. And uh, Mm -hmm. it it just, uh, you could just see that it's a very fragile team. And I agree with Shorty that this season, what's the point now, uh, changing the GM or changing the coach? If that's the decision that's going to be made, why wouldn't you wait till the end of the year? Uh, Because it's not going to make that much difference.
9: To uh, your point, uh, about taking a step back, James. Um, sometimes I think a step back is the result of your own expectations. And I say that in the sense of I remember going back a number of years and being at training camp in Victoria and having Elaine Vigneault tell me he was worried about his team um, because they'd had a, a good season the year before They won a round in the playoffs. They were bounced in the second round, but they really seem to be on the rise. And he said, I'm worried about them. And I said, well, why are you worried about them? He said, because they had a good run. They know they're knocking on the door and they keep telling themselves that the only thing, the only place they can prove themselves right now is in the playoffs. And they want to take that next step in the playoffs. And he said, I think they've kind of lost sight of the fact that first you need to make the playoffs. <laughs> and, um, and, and lo and behold, that team that year, which eventually, remember they used to always have horrible starts under Vino, and then they turned it on to be the best team in the league for the last three months. Uh, they got off to a real rocky start that year, uh, as he kind of predicted. Um, and I don't know if that's a bit of the case here. I know there's been a lot of personnel change and there've been some strong um, leaders and uh, uh, character people leave the dressing room. I think that's played a part, but they had so much success in the bubble. They went to game seven against Vegas to go to the conference Finals. And I don't know, but maybe there's possibly a little bit of that, that, well, the only thing we can prove now is in the playoffs and losing sight of the fact that first you need to go through the grind to get to the playoffs.
3: Yeah, fair enough. Um, All right, guys, we want to change gears here just for a second because, look, I mean, there's been a lot of talk. I mean, this team's reeling right now, six-game losing streak. But, you know, this weekend is also the most romantic weekend of the year. It's (laughs) Valentine's Day. I mean, you guys have been together and have been able to make it work for, what, 20 years or so. So we thought, like, you know, I thought we'd give a different side of Cheech and Shorty, Vancouver's most loved couple, and, oh, and just maybe post. take it uh, to a different approach here and, and get to know you guys and maybe the secret to success to making a relationship work. So we're going to throw a couple of questions your ways and, and, and maybe you guys can just be honest and forthright. And let me throw this at you. If, if you guys had to take on the roles of John Candy and Martin Short, uh, you know, and Steve Martin, in a remake of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, who would be who? Shorty?
9: <laughs> I think I'd be Steve Martin.
1: <laughs> Naturally. Naturally. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to go with John Candy. Okay, I'm just such a big John Candy fan. Where's your hand? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> okay, Cheech, cheese. you guys go to a restaurant, and the waiter looks at you and says, uh, you know, what would you like to eat? And you say, uh, I'll order for the both, both of us. What are you ordering for Shorty? What's his meal? Well,
1: yeah, that's easy. We ha- start with uh, nachos with just cheese, extra cheese. And then we have. Uh, hopefully, we'll be at Shake Shack, and we'll have Shake Shack burgers. Yeah, he's just cheesing
3: done right, right?
1: Just cheese? Oh yes, oh yes.
3: Okay, if you guys have a rental,
9: who's driving? <laughs> oh, I'm driving. Cheech is driving for sure. Driving. We <laughs> were trying to get from Montreal to Ottawa once. And uh. and Cheech refused to, like, look at an, an app or use an actual map. And he, he kept repeating, like, as we, as we repeatedly failed to exit <laughs> Montreal city limits. We just oh, Montreal. that's the worst in that town, <laughs> too. And, oh. and, and he, he kept saying, John, John, why don't we pull over and, like, look at a map or pull up the app or something. Like, now, I got an idea. I got an idea.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's nothing worse than not being able to get out of a city. Hey, have all this time together on the on the road. Have you ever had to share a
9: room? Once in uh, Terrace.
1: Yeah. Oh, no. Shorty had to go down and get me a razor. I forgot my razor and to come out of the shower <laughs> and I get a towel wrapped <laughs> around me and say,
5: Shorty,
9: Shorty, I gotta shave here. I've Got a game to do that, Would you mind going down and getting me a razor? Yeah. There's a shopper's drug mart in downtown Terrace. I can tell you that for sure.
3: <laughs> hey, thanks for playing along, guys, and uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Family Day to both you guys, and, uh, and keep up the awesome. Thanks for finding the Happy time Valentine's Day,
1: Shorty, sweetheart. Have <laughs> a Love good day. Teach. Oh, okay, Okay.
3: <laughs> Love you, guys. John. Boys. John Garrett, John Shorthouse, joining us this morning on your Canucks
4: commute. Listen, that's that's as you get into Valentine's, <laughs> if you're if you're celebrating, man, I don't know about you, C-ball, but my wife and I, when we're driving and we fight over who's driving, man, when you get lost, there's your test of our relationship right there.
5: Oh,
3: for sure, for sure. Why don't we just check it out? Well, there's no reception right now. Why don't we just pull over, grab a uh, and just ask for You're going the wrong. Oh yes, all yeah. the all the frustration. Yes. Oh, there were two. There was a I know that. Uh, oh, yeah, I know the bad. sign
4: says to exit to this town. But the computer didn't tell me to, so I'm not going to do the logical thing and read the sign. I'm gonna go. We're going another 10 kilometers. Oh, it happened to me in California. It was awesome.
3: Oh, it's 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 not it's not good. We were in uh, we were in Italy, in very rural Italy, trying uh, with a camera guy years back, and we got turned around. And you just get you know he's driving, I'm riding shotgun. And it like nearly came to blows, right? Y- y- difference of opinion. And you're frustrated. You've been traveling a long day already. And it's just everybody's blood is boiling. You really put a relationship to a test when uh, when you're lost behind the wheel.
7: On vacation. <laughs>
3: yes. 27 minutes after 8 o'clock, uh, James Sobalski, Perry Sokowski, with you. Get those submissions in. Lots of them pouring in all morning long on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650. 650. Your Canucks in a song. We'll hit the music still to come. It's also Black History Month, and we're going to take a trip down memory lane with Claude Billgreen, the first Black player in Vancouver Canucks history. And we'll do that next right here on your
5: home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.
0: This is the starting lineup with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song.
5: The Doobie Brothers like getting it. a shout out this like morning. It, man. Bear? Yeah. That's what a the stink
4: boys. voice say? Eh? Michael McDonald's has got that distinct <laughs>
3: Distinct voice for sure. Uh, it is uh, eight thirty-three. James Sobalski, Perry Solkowski with you. The starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet six fifty. Uh, we'll talk to Claude Vilgrain coming up in just a couple of minutes. Who uh, played with the Vancouver Canucks uh, some thirty plus years ago? As we celebrate Black History Month here on Sportsnet six fifty. Want to get to a couple more submissions. I love this one. I believe this is Dan of Fort Saint John who sent this one in this morning. It's Adam Sandler's old ode to my car. Yeah. I mean, when you lost six straight, it kind of reflective of a piece of
4: car. There's been a lot of really good submissions. If if you're new to us, we always try and recap the game in the form of a song. And James, a lot of people have done it for a long time thinking outside the box. That may be the best one. Great job, Dan.
3: This one blew my mind when this one came in this morning. For anybody that's old enough of a certain vintage pair, I feel like you'll remember this one. You got to go back to the mid '80s. This was a big blockbuster hit for kids, and it's the theme song from the Neverending Story. The to
5: a never-ending
3: story. I mean, just some classic '80s schlock. That is a, clearly a never-ending story because it's been six straight losses and counting for the Vancouver Canucks.
4: Uh, great title, man. that's not on my playlist. I, I've never heard that. I mean, unless it went on, I've never heard that. I missed that one.
3: Man, it's a, that but, giant, fluffy, I don't know if it was like part dog, part dragon but this kind of <laughs> feathered giant thing that the kid was riding on. You know if you're in the car this morning, you remember that crazy crap from – somebody was on an acid trip when they wrote that movie, whatever, how many, 35 years ago.
4: Hey, and uh, we're not. I don't think we have time. We're going to get to Claude Shirley. But shout out to you, Jimmy and Maple Ridge, who just texted us and said smelly cat. From Phoebe and Friends, you may have <laughs> nailed it with that.
3: <laughs> that is outstanding. Uh, we'll try to get to a few more of these, but look, you know, having a laugh at the at the expense of a team that has lost six straight. But you know, the one danger here, pair, and and I could hear this on the post game show last night here on Sportsnet 650 with Satyar Shah and Andrew Walker. A lot of callers exasperated with this team, and you know, I think there was an anxiousness with a bit of a, a stumble of, out of the gate and then that stumble seemed to become prolonged and to see where they are now I just worry about apathy and you could hear that in the voices from some of the fans last night frustrated all right 836 uh, joining us here on the line bright and early uh, this morning is uh former Vancouver Canuck who uh, had just a, a brief run with the team but nevertheless gone but certainly not forgotten Claude Vilgrain joins us Claude how are you this morning
6: Good, good. How about you guys?
3: Very good, thank you. Give us a set. What are you up to these days?
6: Oh, a lot of things. I, uh, I, I, I have a little business. I uh, design parks and playgrounds, so uh, I've been uh, doing this since I retired. I used to work with somebody, and now uh, I'm on my own, so it's, it's, going, it's going good. And I do a lot of coaching, uh, hockey coaching, and skills development, and um, yeah, things are going pretty good.
4: Claude, my man, how good is your memory?
6: Can oh, you remember that pair. we
4: played golf together? And pal, I don't know. It's got to be twenty-seven, twenty-six years ago.
6: Well, we used to uh, every year go to the Animog um, golf tournament, and we had that you bet. just before the tournament. We uh, we uh, skated, we uh, charity hockey games, and I remember one time you uh, were struggling, and I asked you, uh, "Now are you going to be uh, easier on the players, NHL guys?" And you told me. Nope, <laughs> so that's what I remember. So you were but, you uh,
4: played in that game? We played at the Penticton Arena. Yeah. yeah, and and I was part of that celebrity game. Oh, that was an awesome tournament. No, it yeah, was we great. Had the, we had uh,
6: guys like Glenn Anderson and even. Uh, Korea was playing. He was still, I think.
4: Uh, Paul, Ker- um, Paul, Korea was out yeah, there. Yeah, I, I belong. As you can tell, James, I fit in with that group. Glenn Anderson, Korea, <laughs> <laughs> can you
3: guess which kid just
6: doesn't belong here? Yeah, I get it, pair. Yeah, we you need somebody uh, to skate around. to
4: <laughs> It was great. Listen, we wanted to bring you on and talk. And here's where I, I think it's good when we talk about the Canucks and we're talking about Jalen Chatfield breaking in and Justin Bailey got hurt and and you know we were talking out there well you don't yeah. even think they're just Vancouver Canuck hockey players and then you go well no they're they're, they're African American as as we celebrate this month you tell me and I and I wanted to ask you this question if people don't know you played for the Canucks you played in New Jersey but you also were with our national team which would have traveled over to Europe yeah and we still see it today Claude on the soccer pitches um racism all that what did you face or did you face when you were representing our nation and going over to Europe and playing?
6: Well, um, you know, like uh, with the national team, uh, we would go to different countries, either uh, in the Eastern Bloc, you know, or Poland, Czechoslovakia, Russia. We traveled the world pretty good. And, you know, we would go to an airport and we always had to wait customs. And you could see a big line of about 20 guys sitting on the hockey bags, Team Canada hockey bag, Team Canada suitcase. We all were in the same sweatsuit, the same toques, And almost every time, there would be two um, border guy with a machine gun coming to me and asking for my passport and searching my bag. And I said you know, at one point, you know, at first it was comical for the rest of the team, but at one point they said, okay, let's go, come on here. And uh, as a player, I'd, you know, I had a lot of, uh, you know, playing in Switzerland. I, I would say maybe every rink I played on, uh, in, I mean, on the road, uh, there was tons of monkey sounds in the stands, and I got banana thrown at me. And uh, I just have a story uh, uh one one game, one of the um, a reporter team reporter uh, wanted to mic me up just to see how I deal with the rest of the teammates, you know, leadership wise, speaking English, French, or some German. And uh, the one game, uh, the mic didn't work, so we ended up going to another town uh, the next week. And he came in the dressing room after warm up, and he wanted to uh, put the mics on, me. and I. I thought, hmm, this is not the place to do that that thing. But I said, okay, it's been a while, so maybe people forgot about me. I stepped on the ice, and I looked across. There was like a blow-up banana from blue line to blue line with my name on it. Anyway, all game long, the monkey sound, the the players saying all kinds of stuff to me uh, in German. I didn't understand half of it, but the only thing I understood was chimpanzees. Anyway, the next morning I woke up and uh, i got about 21 text messages telling me to go buy a newspaper i, I don't i think not everybody nowadays know what a newspaper is but anyway i ended up getting a newspaper and there was like a front page i pulled out like about 10 pages with all kind of article pictures and i guess i forgot about the mic and they picked up everything so i ended up uh, Doing interviews in it, uh, oh, it Italian radio, German radio, and then one thing came out of that is that uh, after every game on the road, there would be uh, a parent uh, uh, with uh, a little kid, either a black kid or uh, interracial kid, thanking me for standing up. And um, one of my uh, my line mates, one of my good friends, uh, he he told me that he, he's black, and he told me you're the first one that. Uh, stood up for us, because uh, since novice he had it hard, so um, yeah, so you know one of the well, reasons I didn't never let that affect me is because uh, my first game first game in the queue, in, in, um, in Quebec League, I was seventeen, and I was uh, surprised that I made the team, so I got in the ice opening game at home. we're playing Montreal, which is a cross uh, um rival and I get on the ice, announce the team, our fans go wild, and I cross over on the other side with mainly Montreal fans, and they just booed me, uh, told me to go back to Africa, and I had my worst, worst ever hockey game. And then I remember going back to my billet and sitting in the corner of my room in the dark all night just just trying to see what happened, went down, but I promised myself I would never let that happen uh, uh, bug me anymore because uh, this is my dream to be a hockey player and then and every time uh, I had adversity like that I never let that bother me
3: but uh, you know Claude Vilgrain with us here on Sportsnet 650 we've, we've heard the stories and, and the movies that in the documentaries that have been done about Jackie Robinson and, and we're talking about Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier in sports and in Major League Baseball over 70 years ago you're talking about instances here that happened 25 years ago, 30 years ago for you, Claude. I mean, do you feel like we're we're finally seeing progress here after all these years? I mean, the Quebec League was notorious for some behavior like that. I remember even Peter Worrell 10 years after you and some of the stories that he had to endure, but Yeah. Do, do you see do you smile at all and look at the the progress we made or do you still look at things and go, <laughs> "You know what? We got a long way to go here."
6: Uh, it's obviously it's much better when I see some of the guys like PK or some of the guys that are captain, assistant captain, and the, the funny thing before this um, um, Black Lives Matter and all this issue with the Lou and everything, I thought that the players uh, were okay. You know, like I said, they were leaders of their team and they were playing, making good money, because there was a, a an era between um, Willie O'Ree and uh, and pk soup band for example we we never we can never say anything we just have to look the other way and every time i would go to a new team i would have to announce myself like a good guy a one of the boys and 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 if i would put my foot down uh and that would backfire on me so uh to tell you the truth i thought things were going better but uh I'm listening to people. Uh, I talk to a lot of people. And I talk a lot to some of the people at NHL Diversity. And I do a lot of um, a charity event down in New York with uh, Ice Hockey in Harlem. And I, it changed, but, again, it's still out there. And uh, in the uh, you know, year 2020s, You'd think that would go away, but it's part of society, and a lot of people have to change it. So, ignorance mostly, and but uh, yeah, so but it's way better than my era, that's for sure.
4: Well, and and considering what you put up with, um, we've done you a disservice, my friend, because we're up against the clock and we have to take a break. But thank you, because I think there's a lot of people that wouldn't have known that story your time here with the Vancouver Canucks and, and what you've endured, wearing that Canadian jersey um, as well. Nice yeah. to talk to you, Claude. We're going to do this again for sure. Uh, so fun to catch up. I'm glad everything we is well We need Mario
3: stories next time, Perry. Claude, okay. we yes, got to get a Marial Marial story. You, you guys played together in junior, yeah. right?
6: Yeah, I'm sure I got a couple. <laughs> you, car- you carried them, right? <laughs> yeah, basically I, I took them there.
4: <laughs> Just like I did in that celebrity hockey game in Penticton, Claude.
3: Just I like think me. you were the
6: best non-NHL guy there.
4: <laughs>
3: now you're lying. Now you're yeah. lying, Claude. Yeah.
6: Merci beaucoup. Okay, pas de merci.
3: Merci. Uh, Claude Vilgrade, the uh, first ever uh, black player for the Vancouver Canucks back in the 1987-88 season. And you know what, Pierre? Talk about how we've kind of grown, and, and Claude has said, you know, is there a ways to go? Absolutely. But there's now 11 different black players that have now played for the Vancouver Canucks since Claude was the first back in the 1987-88 campaign.
4: The, you know, and people texting in saying this is hard to listen to. Yeah. You know what? It was like, honestly, uh, I I don't even think uh, the one thing I remember playing about Claude and I forgot playing in that game, which is great, but we did play a round of golf together. And, and my girlfriend, now wife, was with Claude. And I, I, I hope his wife at the time. he's just such a nice guy. Right. We had so many laughs, uh, but you don't think he's just a hockey player. But some of those stories over in Europe, unbelievable. He's the only guy there to deal with it and put a mic on him. You know, you want about trailblazers and guys who just played for the love of the game and putting up with so much. Uh, you, we need to hear those stories, right? We need to hear those stories. And, and I think we are better Sad in that though, sense. Man. No one has ever talked about anything about yeah. Jalen Chatfield and Justin Bailey. Good school, good energy. I like that guy. But there's still a long ways to go.
3: Hundred percent, but man, powerful story that uh, that Claude shared here on this uh, Friday morning. All right, some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul show. By the way, Scotty will have Jacob Markstrom. Remember that guy? Yeah, he's coming up at ten thirty this morning on the Scott Rintoul show, right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet six (laughs) fifty.
5: I've never caught a glimpse
0: this is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650 here's your Canucks in a song
5: little
3: David Bowie changes that's what one listener is submitting in their Canucks in a song James Sabolski Perry Solkowski home stretch that Scott Ritual will show coming your way at the top of the clock. Uh, how about this? Jacob
4: at 10.30 for Scotty. Jacob Martian at 10.30 for
3: Scotty. A reminder that this hour is a presentation of Surrey Honda. Visit Nasir and the gang over at Suri Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway. Suri Honda, where you'll find quality and community. Somebody also texting in earlier this morning saying, hey, don't knock the dragon, the dog dragon. That's my boy. So people haven't forgotten the never-ending story, Pair.
4: Um. Yeah. No. I. I don't. And you know. I. am almost surprised, James. You know. We get such a temperature for people after the game here, and um, and we do post game, and it carries on to the morning. I, I almost think whether hey, it's a long weekend, and they're just uh, they're just kind of resigned to this team getting out of this funk may not happen, but they're also resigned to if we go backwards, we can look at the season and go, it's there's nothing normal about it. And this team will be a team that will contend in years to come, just maybe not happening as quickly as we expected after what we saw in the summer.
3: We got to get out of here. Uh, hey, listen, it's family day weekend. Uh, be safe, everybody. Be smart and uh, enjoy that time with your loved ones. It's uh, certainly one thing if there's been a small consolation uh, in this crazy, funky world that's been going on for 11 months now here, Pear, uh, it's the Don't forget to load up on some chocolates for that significant other as well on this Valentine's Day.
4: Get along if you can, everybody. Have yourself a great
9: week. Take
3: care. We're back at it. Monday morning on game day, Canucks and Flames round number three. We'll get you set for that. Kevin BX will join us on Monday morning as well. We're back at it. Same bad time, same bad channel. Talk to you then right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.